Future lovers, this is Killstreak episode 21. Finally, our podcast can drink alcohol. It's not having uh, underage. It's not having underage parties. Maybe it can still have some premarital sex and get slaughtered by a masked serial killer. I'm going to keep belaboring this point. My name is Eric Goslin. <laughs> Joining me is Mike Price. Hello, Mike. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I was thinking our podcast could still. It, it could still invite underage people to its party, so yeah, it, it could definitely it could still be inappropriate. <laughs> it could contribute to the delinquency of a minor, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm really terrified. <laughs> the worst thing I could imagine is our podcast being the type of podcast that's like dating 15-year-olds when it's 24. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not in a pop-punk band, so I wouldn't worry so much about it. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Freddy versus Jason. FVJ. FVJ. Uh, but first, there's a couple of things I've been watching that I wanted to talk about. A okay. little media diet break. Okay. Um, I checked out this movie that dropped on Shudder called Host. Not The Host. It's mm-hmm. called Host. Um, and it was made in, is about uh, the quarantine. It's about a, a, It's only about an hour long, too, which I was like pretty psyched about. Sure. Uh, and, and it doesn't feel too short, but also doesn't feel long. Uh, it's about a group of, of women uh, who get together to have an online seance, uh, kind of just like shoot the shit and do something different for their like okay. quarantine hangouts. Uh, and as you can imagine, since it's a horror movie on Shudder, uh, things go wrong. Uh, but it's very good. I, I highly recommend it. Um, very good, I, you say. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um I haven't seen um, the Unfriended movie right. that you talked about. We talked about. about this a little bit, yeah. But similar conceit where it's all just shown through the point of view of, like mm-hmm. in this case, a Zoom session. Sure. Yeah, uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's I, I recommend it. And again, it's only like an hour long, so it's like, it's it's even like tied to Zoom's free calls. So it's like at about forty minutes is like. <laughs> your car call is about to be upgraded to pro or whatever. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty funny. Neat. Yeah, that's very relatable. Uh, hold on. Going to start a new Zoom meeting. Everybody look for the link in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> so many of those. Have you been watching anything else? Because I have one other thing, but I don't want to uh, steamroll you. Nothing that I haven't seen before. I rewatched Backdraft yesterday because I wanted to listen to an oh, Action yeah. Boys episode about it. Uh, uh-huh. that, was, that was a silly ass movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't seen it since I first saw it when yeah. I was a kid. Um, um, I remember like it was like a big hit in the Gosselin household. <laughs> a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff lights on fire. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's like weirdly, it's one of those movies that like for the asks that they have of all of the actors, it's like uh, it's like really over, it's like overcast. It's like Robert De Niro is there to just be mm, in it for mm-hmm. like 15 minutes and Donald Sutherland shows up in like a bit part and it's just like, Jesus, this is really calling in some favors here. Yeah, seriously. Uh, for yeah. backdraft. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing I started, I haven't finished yet, but I think it's right up our listeners' alley, is also on Shutter, and it is called uh, "In Search of Darkness." Uh, it, it goes year by year through the '80s and talks about individual movies and also different advancements in technology, like like you know videos, and mm-hmm. for instance, and practical special effects. Uh, and I was saying to Price uh, before we got on the call that it's not like critical, at least of what I've seen so far of those things. It's pretty like surface level, but right. it is very enjoyable as as like a horror fan who like just remembers that era of video store culture um, and just like see I, I added like 10 movies to my like movies to watch list because like, oh, yeah, I've never seen Wolfen or whatever, you know, sure. So I, sh- yeah. I should check that out. Um, yeah, so I recommend it. I think it'd be up any of our listeners' alleys. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. It's right. You mentioned the video store thing. Like One of the things that I was really excited about moving to Austin is there's a place here called iHeartVideo, uh, which is, they at least claim to be the biggest and longest running video store in the country still remaining. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't know if that's like technically true or not, but I will say it's huge and it's really cool. Um, and I've been to Austin many times, but like as someone who didn't live here, I never rented any videos from them because it's sure, like, well, I'm yeah. going to be going back to LA in a day or two. Um, so I was really pumped to do that. But now that the pandemic's happening, uh, unfortunately being, uh, a pretty old and kind of quirky video store, they don't have like an online rental system. Oh, so, yeah. so theoretically I could try to like call and ask for some specific movie but you know i'm really just looking forward to when i can finally safely go in there and browse and and rent well, that's, some stuff that's the experience is going yeah. and be like hey i've never seen this movie mm-hmm. there's a there's a really great video store here in los well it's in south pasadena called yeah. videotech um okay. that i yeah would love to just go into mm-hmm. and they, ha- they they have it separated by genre and by director by country yeah it's Really great. Yeah. And they have some great stuff. Let me ask you this before we move on uh, to Freddy versus Jason, because I have a feeling oh, this this episode could get long if we let it. But yeah. uh, but I always share this anecdote, or not really anecdote, but like I always wonder if it was the same for you. But my parents uh, would leave me at the video store because mm-hmm. of because of how long I left to my own devices wanted to browse through movies. Yes. So like they would literally, my mom would drop me off at blockbuster and be like, okay, I'll be back in an hour. Like you have to have your movies picked up by then. I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, totally. That in the music store, like uh, there's a, a music store called bull moose music where uh-huh. I grew up. And um, yeah, it was just like, Oh my mom, you're going to go to Shaw's and I'm just going to go to Bull Moose for 45 <laughs> minutes and maybe buy something, but probably just have like stacks of, of like narrowing it down. Like, oh, I guess that's the one. Yeah. Um, uh, I just want to go back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me too. I really do. Uh, well, we can't go back to those days, but we can go back to 2003 uh-huh. The year that Freddy versus Jason finally, finally came finally. to fruition. Jesus Christ. Man, um, 2003. Ranks up there with probably one of the best years of my life, I would say. That year, 2003. I was see. in college. I was living yeah. in a suite with my best friends. Yeah. 
I think had a girlfriend with giant boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Wow. That's great. That's really wonderful. Um, Sorry, guys. (laughs) Yeah, 03, I think, was a rougher year for me in college. Uh, 04 was great. So maybe maybe Mm -hmm. not coincidentally, a little bit later in the college experience. Um, I started to get some more, sort of more of my shit sorted out, I think. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, I mean, here's the thing. People used to, there always used to be this talk about like, oh yeah, the good old days. And everybody's like, yeah, they weren't actually better. The nice thing about being in the midst of COVID-19 and like full on white nationalism taking over, (laughs) um, the United States is is I actually think we can look at something like 2003 and just say yeah it was better those yeah, were better times yeah. yeah I guess we were probably in a war at that point but I wasn't in a war <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean the caveat that's always there is like it was always a better time for uh, straight white men like yeah themselves. Ab- <laughs> yes yes absolutely absolutely um, um, boy what a time it was <laughs> But yeah, I remember going to see this movie uh, with a bunch of friends. Ryan mm-hmm. Martin, who is the yeah. uh, the taskmaster here, the quiz master. <laughs> um, we went to a midnight screening. I will say this: like before we get into our blood and guts check, I don't remember having a positive uh, feeling about this. Like I, okay. I, but also not like terrible either. I think that. If you had asked me to describe uh, what I remembered about Freddy versus Jason before I watched it yesterday, I would have just said, like, I think it was pretty middle of the road. Uh, okay. Yeah. That was that was where I was at coming into it. Um, so, uh, And I, I remember having a great time with it. Um, well, what about now, Eric? What's, what's your current day blood and guts check on Freddy versus Jason? I still really liked it. Okay. I, I had a blast with it. I like it still. I think. I think it it holds up pretty pretty strong in my opinion. What about yourself? I I, I can't go that far, but I had a positive. Mm-hmm. I had a positive experience with it. I think I liked it. To be fair to the movie and to get out of the way, because this is a weird with a podcast like ours where we're definitely going to eventually review Nightmare on Elm Street. This is like an odd duck because it's there's this intersection of these two franchises. Right. Um, and so I think it's probably good to, to establish up front that this is more of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie than a Friday the 13th. Movie. It is. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, we've not discussed this. Mm-hmm. Do you think this movie should be in our rankings? Or is this just a, an odd duck? Because it's neither, mm-hmm. you know... Feast nor fowl. What's the? What's the <laughs> that's feast or famine. <laughs> yeah, feast or famine. Uh, I don't. I don't know the fowl one. Mm. Um, rings a bell. Fowl nor fish. That's fowl nor fish. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. It's it's hard to say. You know what? I think my gut reaction to that question is that no, we should not include it in the rankings. That's kind of my gut reaction yeah. too. And I'll say, I think the biggest reason I feel that way is because when I sit down to rank all these movies, like, as as you always do when you try to rank something, like, and you know how I can be very methodical about this, is it's like, mm-hmm. I want to create a scoring rubric. I want to create, 
metrics that are consistent across all these movies that I can use to evaluate them. And I think creating a way to do that would mean for me to sort of define what I want and like and what makes for a good Friday the 13th movie. Mm -hmm. And it would be like trying to include a movie from another series in this ranking where it's like, there's a lot of things that I like about this movie that don't suit a Friday the 13th movie. Right, yeah. It feels very un-Friday the 13th in a lot of spots. I wanted to ask, one of the things I wanted to ask you is like, give me a ratio. What do you think this is, Freddy to Jason? Uh, maybe like 60, 40, Freddy to Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went a little bit further. I said 65, 35. That's what okay. I wrote. That's what I wrote down in my notes. I said, this is 65, 35, Jason, Freddy to Jason. Um, I mean, it, t- it takes place in both locations, Camp Crystal Lake and Spring Springwood. Springwood, Ohio. Springwood, yeah. Ohio. Um, but it is, it's all based on Freddy's machinations. You know what I mean? He's the one who yeah. sets everything in, in course mm-hmm. and action. And it's about, Jason is but a tool for Freddy in this movie. Yes. Jason is a tool. And I think the other thing that makes, that really swings it over to being a Nightmare on Elm Street movie is that all these characters, not all of them, but a number of them have ties or relationships yeah, to exactly. Freddy Krueger and yes. to Elm Street, to Springwood. Yeah. And they're all, Jason is sort of like a newcomer to their experience. Oh, that would, you know what? I never thought about that, but that would be very, it would be, it would have been a cool thing to have like a Camp Crystal Lake survivor or somebody mm-hmm. who was affected by Jason at some point coming in right. to help. And the, the thing is, they have a character who kind of fills that function, but he doesn't have any personal attachment. He just happens to be the one person who knows about Jason Voorhees. Sure, yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a missed opportunity, maybe, because I think what you're saying is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, to go all the way back to the top, I think this was, so once we take this out of the world of saying like, well, how does this work as a Friday the 13th movie? I think this is a pretty fun movie. I think it suffers Mm -hmm. a little bit from the time it came out. It's like, totally. Yes. Right. We talked about this with Jason X too, which came out two years before this, but like, this is, this is an era which really stamps a movie in place. And it's just like. There's something about like the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, all of them age in a way where they kind of, for whatever reason, for me, it just doesn't feel as clunky as, or as like weirdly out of place as these 2000s movies do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an attitude to these to these movies that, at least the last two movies, yeah. uh, Jason X <clears throat> and Freddy vs. Jason, there's a 90s, I know this came out in the 2000s, but like right. a turn of the century quippy attitude about them that wasn't yeah. pre- pre- present in the series before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall, I think, you know, versus something like Jason X, I think that the quippiness has a little bit of a higher success rate here. Yeah, um, yeah, like its attempts to be fun and self-referential, I think, I wouldn't even say they work half the time, but they are uh, they work more often than they work in Jason X. Yeah, least. and I remember this movie being funnier than it was this time around, mm-hmm. and I don't, and I think to the movie's credit, is it's not mm-hmm. really trying to be funny all the time. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't uh, go over the top like the, like again to keep beating up on Jason X like I feel like that one did 
Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I think I laughed a lot when I saw it because I saw it in a big theater with like, mm-hmm. you know, other twenty-year-olds who are all like right. just pumped to see Freddie and Jason fight. Um, totally. And that movie, the movie delivers in that way. Like it, we see Freddie and Jason fight a lot, and it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah, they didn't pull those a lot punches. Of, there's a lot of fan service that I think works well, where it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily always work in other movies. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, this maybe this is something you were going to talk about. There was so many different permutations of this plot. And, in fact, yeah. there's, a mo- there's a book that I just heard about called Slash of the Titans, I believe. Okay. Um, it's just about, about the production of this movie. Yeah, and they kind of... Um, apparently, they get into, like, what the other movies would have been about... And in Camp Crystal Lake Memories, they they also talk about some of the plot lines for the movies, and they all sounded really bad. <laughs> yeah, there's... except for this one, which is like, oh yeah, you guys did it right. Um, I don't. So one of the ones that gets talked about in Camp in Crystal Lake Memories, um, that I was like, that doesn't. It, I don't think it sounded necessarily better, but I was like, also interesting was I kind of liked the one they talked about where there was at one time an idea that. Freddie and Jason were both dead uh, and they're essentially sent back to earth from hell by the Uh devil to like compete. And like the one who, the one who successfully like kills more people gets to like stay on earth and the other one gets banished back to hell. And I was like, ah, that sounds kind of, yeah, that is kind of fun. That is fun. You're right. Um, Um, But I do like the way they, I I, I like the execution of this one uh, of the premise Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they do. They the execution's pretty good. I think that's like what I'll say. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely. Like to your point, this movie does not suffer the same fate as Jason Takes Manhattan or Jason Goes to Hell. Uh-huh. Both of which are like, why the fuck isn't he in Manhattan more? Why isn't there any shit that takes place in Hell? It's like this one tells you it's going to be Freddy versus Jason. And even though they do wait until the climax of the movie to get there, like mm-hmm. they spend they spend time there and they spend mm-hmm. time on it. And if you came to go see, if you went to go see this movie, being like, "Oh man, I'm going to see Freddy fight Jason," you're going to get what you paid for. You know? Yes. Yeah. 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 You're gonna you're gonna get a chance to see both of them do Freddy shit and Jason shit, and mm-hmm. then fight each other. Definitely. Uh, and I think if the movie, su- I mean, the movie suffers mostly in my in my eyes with the other third of the movie, which is just the super plot heavy yeah. teenage cast. And there's some good stuff in there. I'm not complaining mm-hmm. about it exactly, but it is, I mean, I could, maybe that's, maybe that's a strength in the movie. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm kind of, fe- kind of not sure how I feel about like, cause if it just feels like a different movie. Right. Yeah, I think I I'm I'm also sort of in the middle on uh like the kind of Springwood plot stuff with the kids who live there. I think it gets clunky in parts, but I also like want to give them points for like the you know, it's uh, it it ties in. I mean, like it all eventually ties into the plot and sort of like uh-huh. for as plotty as this is, like I guess it made sense mostly. Um, yeah, I, I think my biggest issue with it is the dad subplot. 
Yeah, that one seems completely superfluous. I agree with you. Yes, on that. exactly. And it's yeah. like a really serious. It's like a big deal what they're mm-hmm. saying. Basically, like that the main character Lori's dad murdered her mother. Yeah, and that like sends one of the guys to a mental institution, like her boyfriend. Yeah, uh, and it's just like it sort of pays off, but not really. Not well. Yeah. yeah, I think you. I think you know you could. I think you could keep all the stuff about how the town has been sort of manipulated to forget about Freddy Krueger. And that stuff's um, great. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's that like really works. Yeah. I think you keep all of that. I think you still find a way to tie in like the hypnosil stuff where it's like keeping kids from dreaming and things like that, but just lose this dad murder plot, lose the, uh, like I think you'd be better off if if inst- if Jason Ritter's character and the other guy are just like Freddy Krueger survivors or whatever mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. escape from the mental like because I like that they go back to the same mental institution that is the setting of uh, I want to say it's part three right is yeah. that dr- is it Dream Warriors dream- yeah, yeah. Um, and I think shows up a couple other times in the Nightmare on Elm Street series like mm-hmm. that stuff's cool. Um, yeah, I think you're, 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 you hit it right on the nose that when it starts to get involved with the Monica Kina's family shit, it's, it's a little too clunky. Um, but we'll get to all that in a second. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we need to spend too much time talking about, uh, the specifics of production. The big things are to understand, and Eric already sort of hinted at this, is that, so we've talked about this before on this on the podcast that like this was a movie that was originally supposed to happen in the late eighties, um, mm-hmm. kind of negotiations fell apart and then you know they ended up making a new blood. Same thing happens with Take Manhattan. Same thing happens with Jason X, uh, and Jason goes to hell. Like literally, the last four movies were all movies that were in this is in the Friday the 13th series that were made instead of making Freddy versus Jason, which is what they mm-hmm. would have preferred to do. Um, right. Which is maybe why, at least for me, three, like uh, two of those four movies, I think are some of the worst ones in the series. Um, yes. Not to spoil my rankings too much, but like this has not been a super strong run for Friday the 13th. Specific to this movie... I don't know, you know, I can't prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but at least uh, anecdotally, they said that about $6 million were spent just on writing this movie. Very, like, script rewrites, having the story and screenplay pass through various people's hands. There's something like eight uncredited writers on this that at various points in time worked on a Freddy versus Jason script that isn't this one or little pieces of that, of their scripts became part of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, this is a real fucking movie by committee for sure. Yeah, And then it's surprising in that regard that it works as well as, as it does. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of that falls on the director. Yeah. I, so, uh, What's your personal experience with Ronnie Yu, the director of this movie? I mean, mostly just Bride of Chucky. Yeah, that's, same. That's kind of the only movie of uh, other than this one that I've seen. And I love I'm that. This, yeah, I'm the same. These two movies are the only two Ronnie Yu movies I've seen. I have never sat down to watch The Bride with the White Hair, but it's 
I've seen bits and pieces of it, and it certainly yeah. looks cool. It looks cool. Um, and I would be interested. Like, it's I'm going to put it on my list of stuff to watch. Um, because I do think... I think Bride of Chucky is pretty great. Um, and this one, especially talking about, like, all of the kind of stakes and script by committee and all the things that could have gone wrong with this movie. I think he did a pretty good job pulling it off. Um, yeah. I, I think my, it's probably because he's a director who has a vision. Like he, he has a style and he has a vision right. that he's like not afraid to fight for. Yeah. And uh, you know, something they talk about quite a bit in crystal Lake memories is it's also like his style, his vision, his level of interest. Like there wasn't a whole lot of involvement I mean, there was no involvement with either of these two franchises before that for him. No. Uh, at least according to Kane Hodder, Ronnie, you had never seen any Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street movies before making this <laughs> film. Um, which is one of those things which I think it draws an interesting distinction between those two guys, which maybe goes back to something you were saying about being bothered by some of Kane Hodder's opinions and yeah. things. Which is, he definitely does really represent that one end of the spectrum that's quite fanboyish and just kind of like has this idea about, you know, the legacy of these movies and yes, like how yes. to do them properly. And, and, and you can tell, and it's hard to, to disentangle Kane Hodder's resentment over not being cast in this movie. Right, because they passed him over for the guy who's yeah. in... Jason takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Ken Kurzinger, who plays Jason in this, um, but he definitely seems to feel like that's a disqualifying thing. Yes. The idea that Ronnie, you had not seen these movies, and to me, I'm like, I don't know, you know, if that's what you want to do, yeah. like that's a different way to go. It's interesting, you know. I like Kane Hodder, and I like his portrayal of Jason mostly, but brother, you're in like four of the worst Friday the Thirteenth movies, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, well, this is not, that's not how we did it. And it's like, Jason Takes Manhattan is fucking awful, dude. Like, what yeah, are you, exactly. like, what are you talking about? Um, but anyways, uh, Ronnie Yu, director, had um, previously done Bride of Chucky uh, as his first, I think, English language, definitely his first English language horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think he really only did one other big u.s release which was formula 51 samuel l jackson action movie oh Um, oh yeah that's right yeah yeah which i've never seen and i'm also now kind of curious to see (laughs) he did this was it the four like four warriors or whatever i remember Um, remember seeing ads for that one he's got I'm looking at his, his his filmography. He's got Warriors of Virtue. It's a 97 That's it, that's film. it. Isn't that like kangaroos? Like anthropomorphic kangaroos or some shit? Oh, yeah. This is an English language film. Yeah. So this would be his first one. Oh, yeah. That is. <laughs> they certainly are anthropomorphic kangaroos. All right. Well, you really nailed it there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, don't take my word for it on, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not just trying to, I'm not speaking with a lot of authority on Ronnie. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. holding your hands to the fire. Or your no, not fire you. There. I'm just telling the folks at home, like, hey, uh, you know, don't, you don't need to send me a bunch of angry tweets. I know that I don't know that much about Ronnie Yu's filmography, and uh, mm-hmm. that's who I am. I'm just going to wear that on my sleeve. Uh, 
but Brad of Chucky rules. And what I'll say is that like he managed to get through making this movie professionally and turned in a feature film that can be enjoyed by the people that it was made for. And that mm-hmm. in and of itself is quite an achievement, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially with like these last three Star Wars movies, we see how dicey it is when these highly anticipated mm-hmm. fan servicey movies come out and just like how it could go wrong and yeah. how like in all respects, even the ones that even the good ones are maligned right. for different reasons. You know, it's like it's hard. It's a really de- difficult um, balancing act to pull off something like this. Yeah. And the more popular these things get, the more sort of stakeholders you have to please mm-hmm. and also i think the more sort of ingrained the fandom becomes in in an idea of what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. um and those people can get really pissed really fast yeah um now one, one thing i do want to say is i think that my feeling has always been and this is a huge generalization but by and large i think horror fans are generally a little more forgiving and a little more like especially like versus star wars fandom which is yeah 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 insane and very toxic (laughs) yeah Yeah, like i'm sure there are plenty of examples to the contrary but horror fans are kind of famous for being like the funny thing especially when i was like a teenager and even younger is it's it reminds me of like the D D is the devil worship in like the late 70s early 80s which is like man these people could not be further off the fucking mark like the, kid, <laughs> the kids who are playing D are like the most sensitive most creative yeah yeah like, yeah they're just looking for a safe space to like be creative with their friends and like yeah you, yeah, these kids aren't devil worshippers. You know, you know, like you know who you need to be worried about is fucking Johnny Football, um, who's yes. you know out there every weekend trying to date rape a bunch of yes. you know high school freshmen. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's the same thing with a lot of horror fans. I think horror fans, by and large, tend to have they tend to be uh, you know uh, they have a good sense of humor about things, and there's I'm frequently kind of laid back and like yeah, you can be pedantic at times, and sometimes. There's always exceptions to these rules, but I think the, the people who enjoy horror movies get misclassified so so often by people outside that world. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like you, one. I mean, one example uh, of this in practices is just you. You'll see so many interviews with actors who maybe weren't career horror actors, but who'll do an iconic horror performance and then it'll become a source of income to go to horror conventions and stuff. And like almost to a, to like to, to a man, you'll hear these people just be like, yeah, you go to the horror conventions. These fans are so nice and they're so excited to see you. And it's like, it's great. Oh, yeah. I've never experienced that in any other, you know, I, realm of show business. Dude. I mean, I'm not even a huge, I'm not even like a going to conventions kind of fan, but mm-hmm. I went to a Fangoria convention once and I was so fucking pumped. I've in, at this point, I lived in Los Angeles. I had met mm-hmm. famous people. Yeah, I've never been more excited to see somebody than like seeing Tony Todd, or yeah. Bru- I went to a book signing for Bruce Campbell's book back in yeah. Boston, and I was so excited to see him because they're like our own celebrities. You know what I mean? They're right. not like the world celebrities. <clears throat> they're our. Yeah. They're ours. It feels yeah. that way. I'm not saying we have any ownership. Or like I got to work with Felissa Rose, and that was from um, Sleepaway Camp, and that mm-hmm. was awesome. It was just like, yeah, 
and more often than not, these people are just like down to earth. They're just working actors that are pumped to have a following. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you don't get a following like that from a lot of other realms of Hollywood, Mm -hmm. maybe something like star Wars being the exception, but, uh, yeah, but yes. it seems like now you get more death death threats and get <laughs> doxxed. <laughs> yeah, well, social media hasn't helped anything. No. Um, so, yeah, otherwise, um, so finally, the final writers who ended up with their names on the script here, a uh, guy named uh, Damian Shannon and Mark Swift were writing duo. Um, so, you know... Certainly, they had a lot to do with the, the script that they ended up using, but like I said, it's kind of a Frankenstein's monster at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Um, Wes Craven's got nothing to do with this. No, um, no, no. Sean Cunningham is a producer on this, so he, like, as opposed to like Wes Craven, he's still somewhat active in the production of this movie. Um, yeah. Um, so last last episode, you asked me if there was anybody on Camp Crystal Lake Memories who didn't annoy me, mm-hmm. and I'll say everybody in this did not annoy me. I, I really thought the writers came up came across as charming and funny. I liked them. Yeah, yeah, they had a couple complaints about things that got cut from the movie, and I mostly agreed with them. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I think that the production of this movie. There's not a whole ton of stories about it being super troubled or anything like that. Um, this is a big one, uh, like in terms of a production. Uh, definitely feels. Uh, I mean, I would put it up there with at least for the Friday the Thirteenth series. The only other movie for me that approaches this level of like professionalism in terms of the production feels like maybe Jason Goes to Hell. Um, but this one has a lot more going on. So mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely more money on the screen here. Oh, I wanna, for sure. Yeah. This is, I believe it's the highest budget of any movie in the Friday the 13th universe. It's definitely the highest grossing. Yeah. Um, and the, like a little bit of that goes towards, um, you know, inflation over time. But also like this had a huge opening. Um, this one, mm-hmm. you know, it delivered on the promise of, oh yeah, this, like if we get these two series together, we could really have some success here. And it, and it absolutely did. Um, and as a fan, I was excited, man. I like, it was cause you've been hearing rumblings of Freddy versus Jason, at least yeah. since the end of, I know it'd been in Hollywood, but mm-hmm. seeing the end of Jason goes to hell, that was like, it's like seeing the alien skull in the predator ship in part two you're like oh fuck that's ha- that yeah. has to happen and then the fans sort of willed it into existence although really par- new line wanted to do it pretty badly yeah although i mean they certainly managed to drag their feet on it for a long mm-hmm. time um but uh yeah so this guy this this one opened to 36 million dollars it's opening weekend um which is huge didn't quite cross the hundred thousand a hundred million mark domestically it got up to 82 worldwide budget with international thrown in they did cross over to 116 million um so yeah this was this was like for a horror movie especially i think that's one of the biggest opening weekends ever for an r-rated horror film at the time so this one did really well um 
the cast is you're still not studded with superstars, but at least we have some familiar faces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to hit on a couple of the people? Obviously, Robert England being the biggest one. Uh, this is his last appearance in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, uh, Jason Ritter definitely jumped out to me, and it's funny that John Ritter, his father, is in Bride of Chucky, so yeah. Ronnie, you just must love love the Ritters. And uh, the other name that I didn't even really, until I looked at IMDb, because uh-huh. I don't necessarily know what she looks like by face, is yeah. Kelly Rowland. I'm yeah. surprised from DC, Destiny's, Destiny's Child. Child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wearing yeah, a, she's... a terrible, very mid-2000s mid, uh, wig. Yeah, it's like a little purple, right? Is that? It's like there's like highlight, red, chunky highlights in there. Yeah, um, yeah. She's probably better suited as a singer than an actor, but you know, yeah. she's not terrible. Um, yeah, Monica Kina, the female lead. Um, was, so was she somebody you were familiar with before this movie? She looked very familiar, but I didn't. Um, I didn't investigate. Gotcha. Yeah, um, she definitely had a healthy career in the 90s and early 2000s. I first knew her from Dawson's Creek. She's got a uh-huh. a 14-episode run there uh, during the most popular era of the show, like in the first and second season. I think she's just in the first season, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways. Um, and then also she had a regular role on the uh, Judd Apatow show Undeclared. Um, oh, right, yeah, okay. That's yeah. right. But she's she's funny, she's good. Um full disclosure, I would not say that I am friends with Monica Kina, but I am a social acquaintance. Um Really? I yeah, so I've met her a number of times. I attended one of her birthday parties. Really? Um which was one of the weirdest, most Hollywood parties I've ever been to because I don't get invited to a lot of big time Hollywood stuff. Um, but I did, so she and I have a mutual friend who was on undeclared with her. Mm. Um, and he was like, Hey, do you want, like, I had met her through him a number of times and and I think it was just some Friday night. This was probably five or six years ago. And he's like, do you want to go to Monica's birthday party? And I was like, sure. Uh, thinking it would be like a big event. It was like 12 people. Oh, wow. Um, and it was at her house. And when I got there, uh, Mike White, uh, director uh-huh. and, uh, you know, uh, sometimes actor. People might know him from School of Rock um, mm-hmm. or, like, I, I forget some of the movies he's directed. He did that Is show like on... Buck and it, Chuck or something? Yes. Uh, and didn't he do the Laura Dern show on HBO that everybody likes? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Enlightened, I think. Enlightened, yeah. So he's the creator of that show. He's an odd guy. He's a nice guy, but he was just sitting on the couch, and I talked to him for a while. But the real highlight of that party for me was uh, around 8 p.m. Edward Furlong showed up. Oh um, shit! And he uh, he and I were the only two people at the party, and this dates it. So this must have been at least seven years ago because I hadn't quit smoking yet. We were the smokers, so like we. We ended up spending like 45 minutes hanging out, just the two of us, <laughs> wow. because we just kept going outside to have cigarettes. And he told me just the most fucking insane story about the album that he released in Japan. What? You know about, do you know about this? No. 
All right, I'm not going to chew up a bunch of time on the podcast talking about it because other people have have told this story better in other places. But just look this up. So he, the way he put it to me is essentially after the success of Terminator 2, this Japanese record label was just like, people in Japan love you. You should put out a rock album. And he's like, I'm not a musician. And they're like, it's fine. Like, we'll have a band make an album and you'll sing on it and we'll fix the vocals and all that shit. Um, and then he ended up doing like, the the album came out and it was popular and he, it's very bad because <laughs> autotune didn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> but he toured Japan with this band and on the success of this album and I won't, speak out of turn but he told me some stories about things that happened to him as a fucking 15 year old in japan wow. with like record executives and groupies and things Holy like this shit. that i was just like dude this is like bonkers like i cannot believe and i'm and, and then people give him a hard time for you know having like you know, he's had some substance abuse issues and mm -hmm. uh i think he's maybe be uh, also gone further than that in terms of doing some uh, unfortunate stuff. But, I mean, what an insane childhood that he had. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so I just, I had to throw that in there. But Monica herself, very charming, very funny. She's like, she's got a great sense of humor. And I think if you watch Crystal Lake Memories, that mm -hmm. even, that comes through uh, in the interviews with her. But, yeah, I like her a lot as the lead in this, I think. Me too. I think she could have, you know, I mean, she's had a, a a solid career and she still works from time to time. But like, I think she could have she could have had even more success um, because I think she makes a pretty charming leading lady. Um, yeah, I do, too. She, uh, yeah. You'll, we're going a little long here. You want to uh, save save some of the trivia stuff for when we get there in, in the in the recap? I mean, I was done, but I appreciate you subtweeting me anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let's stop and then we'll we'll move into uh, the plot of the film. All right. Uh, it starts. I love the way it starts with the uh, studio card. It has Freddy's music and then ends with the Jason. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I enjoy that. Um, so we're in the boiler room from Nightmare on Elm Street, and Freddy is sharpening his finger blades. He's not yet burned, and he's talking about how, you know, the children gave gave me power, and they called me the Springwood Slasher. Um, he licks a little girl's photo and sticks it in the scrapbook. Yeah. My reign of terror was legendary. Dozens of children would fall by my blades, and then, of course, we all know the story. The parents of Springwood came for him, burned him. He says, I may have been a little naughty, but when they killed me, I became much worse. We see some clips from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and the problem now that Freddy, old Fred Frederick is running into is that nobody remembers him. And now he's yeah. lost all of his powers because he is not even a memory to these children. And he's, he's stuck in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so he explains that he, he can't come back because he doesn't have the power, but he found somebody who has the power that can come back and they'll make them remember Jason. They'll make them remember Freddy. And that, of course, <laughs> Spoiler. is Spoiler. It's Jason. <laughs> Eric it's Jason. just ruined it. Sorry, um, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote down that right from the beginning, 
it's like, oh, this is a Friday. This is a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It yeah. It's just like, because it's like the intro is all Freddy and his story and how he's going to like, you know, which also I think makes sense for a couple of reasons. One being that I think it was definitely the more popular franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more respected franchise. The more too. respected. It made more money. And uh, also this is a New Line thing. Like New Line was always the home of Nightmare on Elm Street. And they bought, you know, part of the rights to... Like, they literally don't even have the rights to the name Friday the 13th. Right, right. I think it's a more opportunistic thing for them when it comes to Friday the 13th. And I think that, you know, it's kind of a home field advantage thing. Like, this is is a Nightmare on Elm Street. uh, In a lot of ways, it really reminds me of of wrestling. In that Uh when, when the WWE acquired WCW, a lot of those wrestlers were now under Uh the WWE e-banner um but they still sort of buried them a little bit they had them lose to a lot of their big guys because like okay. hey these are our fucking guys right. they eventually like made stars out of them but uh it was definitely like the advantage went to wwe because Vince yeah. mcmahon is a megalomaniac <laughs> right on um so uh da, 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 da. Oh, okay then we see a woman on a dock she turns to the camera and says, Mike, is that you? She takes her shirt off. She has crazy bolt-ons. <laughs> I, I also wrote down bolt-ons. Yeah, uh, because they are like the definition of bolt-ons. Yeah, like, so for anyone who's... <laughs> go ahead. Anyone who's not a fucking scumbag. If you're not familiar, it sort of it refers to a style of breast implant that looks pretty unnatural, and I think especially during the late 90s and into this time period, they were kind of popular. You saw a lot of them. They're certainly not made with the care and technique that a 2020 breast implant might have. Yeah. Uh, with an like eye she, towards she, naturalism. She runs at one point, and her her boobs don't even move. <laughs> <laughs> not a little bit, yeah. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, when she said, Mike, is that you? Did you get confused? Did you speak aloud in your living room? Uh, I looked around, <laughs> and then I went, what? Uh, so she's getting scared because this mic that is she's calling to isn't answering, and she gets out, grabs her clothes. Jason's music hits, um, and then Jason stomps out of the mist, and she bolts into the woods, trips and falls, backs up into a tree. She turned around, and Jason's right behind her. He stabs her in the stomach with a machete and goes right through the tree. It's covered in blood. That seems impossible. Yeah, I don't think the blood <laughs> would make it through the tree. I don't. Th- I don't think so either. I'm gonna count this one as a body count. Body count one. Um, and then she starts changing into other people. Say so that it's like there's some camp counselor saying, "I should have been watching him, not drinking, not meeting a boy at a lake," and it's changing into different teens. And then Jason's mom is there. Not played by Betsy Palmer. Nope. Couldn't uh, get Betsy back. She didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. They probably... They, just, the, they seem to think that it probably happened because they didn't offer her much money. Yeah. And I, I love how disdainful she is of this series. She's like, it's fucking dumb. I don't know. I understand why people like it. <laughs> um, so then... Uh, She's telling him, your gift is no matter what they do to you, you cannot die. You've just been sleeping, honey, and now it's time for you to wake up. 
uh, mommy wants you to do something. You need to go to Elm Street. And then we see his rotting corpse. He's regenerating organs. His heart starts to beat. And then he emerges from the ground and stalks through the woods. And she says, make them remember me. Make them remember what fear tastes like. And then turns into Freddy. It's been Freddy the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, her sweater is red. Yeah. It doesn't look right. I mean... No, it doesn't look right, but it's Freddy. It's... Oh. Oh, right. That's why it's not that kind of baby blue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Do you think Freddy's makeup looks not that good? Uh, yeah, it doesn't look that good. Um... Uh, that that being said, I'm not sure it ever looked great. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't obviously just watched this whole thing, but I think, I mean, I'll, again, I also feel like it's another one of these HD things where it's like, uh-huh. you can see it too clearly and it just looks like latex, you know, where it's like, yeah. my memory yeah. of him from the first movie is like, it's a little wetter and it's a little bit more obscured and, but you know, that's, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It, it kind of stood out to me. Uh, and then he's walking down Elm Street. Um, and it, 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 oh, no, no. Before, and then wait, it, cut, it cuts to some credits. Yeah, so we just saw, like, the reanimation of Jason's heart and stuff, right? And his, like, open... Mm-hmm. I mean, I know... That <laughs> for a movie that's this plotty... I'm surprised they didn't try to even give us the vaguest idea of where Jason was, how he got there. Right. Um, right? Because it's just like... Or that in he's terms... in hell? Like, like yeah. They should have showed him both in hell or something? Right. Because based on the timeline of the movies, if we give them the benefit of the doubt and say that this happened in... like bef- This happens before 2010, the events of Jason X. So yeah, he should be in hell... Not in the woods with his corpse exposed. You know, it right. just like doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, which I know lots of things don't make any sense, but this movie tries to make a lot of things make sense. Totally. So. Um and, and gone are like the demon worm thing that he was mm-hmm. in goes to hell. Yeah. Which yeah, it could have been cool to see that thing running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have enjoyed that. Also, he's blue now. Don't love that. Mm-hmm. It's like sort of dark blue. Uh, yeah, they they very they give Jason the cooler color palette whenever it's his scenes, and they give Freddie like the red. Right. You know, um, I did like that. I like there's that there's some visual distinction between the two. Oh, oh I like um, that. I just mean his head is blue. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Like okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I thought you meant just like his color palette. Yeah, his head is like it's like a corpsey blue. Yeah. It's yeah. just new. It's not. He always used to be a greener, browner kind of color tone, mm-hmm. and now he's like bluish black. It's weird. Um. So Jason emerges after the credits onto Elm Street, and he got, he walks to Nancy's house, but Nancy doesn't live here anymore. Uh. It's we we meet our group of teens, Kia, who's played by Kelly Rollins. And Gib, uh, I forget her name, but she's the girl from Ginger Snaps. Yeah, uh, Gib is played by Catherine Isabel. Catherine um, Isabel. I like her a lot. Yeah, she's good. Uh, although this... <laughs> when do you think the last time 
teenage girls played Mary Fuck Kill about the Three Stooges. Um, <laughs> that is like. I don't think it's ever happened. What about right after that Three Stooges movie came out like seven years ago? <laughs> the one with Will Sasso? Yeah, that's Fairly right. Brothers one? Yeah, you don't think there's any girls out there yeah, that are that's like true. big Will Sasso stands? Isn't Brian Callen one of them too? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, let's hope not. But also, I don't know. If the, if the Three Stooges movie is canceled, I'm not heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they're playing. Oh, oh also quickly to, to you, Mary fuck kill three stooges go. Um, kill, uh, Mo. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck Curly, Mary mm-hmm. Larry. Yep, I agree. All right, I think that's Great. what they say too. Um, is it? <laughs> so then we meet uh, our hero. Her name is Lori. Uh, an obvious you know, uh, Halloween reference there. I right. think, uh, Gib lights up a cigarette. <laughs> I thought this line was funny. He's like, I thought you quit. She's like, I only smoke when I drink. And they're like, yeah, but you're always drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some fun dialogue in here for sure. Um, they joke around a little bit. There's another line coming up later that I like legitimately laughed out loud at, but yeah, she like talks about how <laughs> her boyfriend, is about to show up and gives her a hard time for the cigarettes. And she's like, Oh, they're just menthols. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that somehow makes it better. Yeah. Um, she flicks her cigarette out the window and hits Jason right in the face. Um, and then she, she is going to get more beer and she opens a door and there's two of the most 2000 looking dudes you've ever seen <laughs> in their names. Also yeah. Blake and Trey. Blake and Trey. Blake in particular is wearing a sweater that truly transported me uh-huh. to the to the Brookfield Square Mall right in my senior year of high school. Uh, is he the one who also has like that chain? He's wearing a chain. Uh which one has no, the no, chain? Trey that's Trey. Trey is Trey the has one. the chain. Blake is wearing the Abercrombie and Fitch sweater. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, so Trey, I'm pretty sure like Get, gave my wife like PTSD because she's like, oh my god, she's like, he's like every guy I went to high school with. She grew up in an uh, Italian neighborhood, uh, and there's like one part where he's like laying in bed shirtless, he's like a hairy chest, yeah, and, and then a thick silver chain. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, I could feel her shudder next to me. <laughs> yep. Um. So they're setting up Blake, who's just total doofus with Lori uh Lori's still broken up about her the loss of her boyfriend he's, he's not dead he just disappeared right and Kelly really. Rowland points out that she was 14 when this happened yeah and it's like can you imagine being I don't know uh at least 18 years old and being hung up on someone from when you were 14? four years ago yeah no yeah. not at all um <laughs> Uh, so then we see Blake, they're like whispering about him in the kitchen. And he's like taking a nip from his flask and scratching his junk. <laughs> a real galoot. <laughs> yeah. And they really sell to us very fast that he's an alcoholic. And, uh huh. And I feel guilty for this, but I had to go Google and I like read some stuff. I was like, can you really be an alcoholic when you're like 
18 16 18 yeah, yeah. and apparently yes but I'll, but still i'm also just like i don't know i don't know i guess i believe it not to like you know yeah downplay serious but it feels like it takes a while for that that uh addiction to set into place right he just uh, loves booze it's different than being an alcoholic right he's a substance <laughs> you know there's a distinction to be made there's a there's addicts and there's substance abusers yeah. You know what I mean? He's a he's substance more... abuser. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. Uh, so Gib and Trey are making out. Um, and Trey, again, the most mid-2000s thing. Hey, Laurie, I love the flow of your place. It's got good feng shui. Or is that, maybe that's Blake <laughs> who said that. That's Blake, um, yeah. Blake, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Trey's like, I got a kink in my neck. I want you to massage it. And basically, like, thumbs up to the, the bedroom. And she's like, I don't yeah. want to. He's like, yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. Oh, I also forgot to mention that when we first get introduced to these guys uh, and they're having the menthol argument, I think Gib calls Trey a cocksmith. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to put that out there. Um, Which I always thought was more of a compliment than anything. (laughs) uh, Yeah, definitely. I was like, yo, that guy's a real cocksmith. Oh, okay. Guess guess he does all right. Mm Yeah. they also drop that Lori's mother has died. Yeah. Uh, Blake goes into the kitchen to get more beer. He cracks one. He notices the door. The back door is wide open, and it suddenly swings shut. Uh, and Gib and Trey are fucking with the door open. <laughs> She's like, and it's yeah, not and even it's the her mo- house. <laughs> no, uh, and it's the most classic. Like no one except people in movies ever has sex like this. So like. She's on top, and we're seeing them from behind. So we see her naked back, and like the blanket is like gathered around her yes. waists to hide any butt or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like one, a blanket wouldn't even stay like that if you're having sex, and two, everybody knows that's way too hot. Like unless you're, this yeah. is fucking freezing. Nobody wants to be covered in blankets while they're having sex. His legs are like he's laying flat. His like legs yeah. aren't like, you know, up as they would yeah. be. For mm-hmm. maximum thrustage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you took it too far. You gross. <laughs> I'd like to do it to you. No, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. I like uh-huh. to. I know. Push what you're your saying. buttons. I also like you to creep. Mac. <laughs> uh, they finish fucking. Um, and she tries to cuddle with him. He's like, "Babe, you know I don't like to be touched." Yeah, uh, you don't just... like to be touched after. <laughs> that was my laugh out loud line. I laughed out loud. I liked it. Uh, she's like, fine, I'll go shower. He's like, good, your hair smells like menthols. He's just a fucking dick. <laughs> it probably did. I mean, to be fair. Get a shower scene. Strange nudity, I'll say, with this one. It's like It's only shown from above in a weird yeah. angle. Well, it's a body double. Oh, is um, it? Yeah, so that's part of why it's this angle. Um, yeah, so this was a, a mild point of contention between Ronnie Yu and Catherine Isabel that she had signed on with a no-nudity contract, and then he tried to talk her into doing it. Oh, that's awesome. scene, And he tried to get her to get naked. She said no, and so they settled on using a body double in this scene. Yeah. You know what I don't like? Um Whenever there's stories of like an actress being uncomfortable mm-hmm. doing a nude scene, and the director's like, "I'll do it," and he gets naked to prove oh, it's not yeah. a big deal. They did you that in Man- Manhattan. Yeah, in the Woody Allen movie. 
No. Oh, Jason no. Oh, takes oh, Jason Manhattan. takes Manhattan. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was another one, too. Uh, I can't remember. Is that like a fa- more famous director did that? It's like, no, don't do that. That's that's yeah. also not good. <laughs> yeah, that's gross in and of itself and makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. So Trey takes a sip of beer and oh fuck Jason's there and he stabs him several times through the mattress and then folds the mattress up like a taco and he just bends him the wrong way yeah it's, pretty, it's a little over good. the top I like it's it right. it's alright body count number two uh, Gib gets out of the shower steps in a puddle of blood she screams of course when she sees Trey and then everybody's running out of the house the, sh- the deputy pulls up in his car and it's the fucking dude from scary movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first, before we talk about him, I just want to say, I thought this was really funny too. Just this smash cut to all of them just screaming running. their heads off and running outside. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's what should happen in any one of these movies. Yeah. And I, I, this was a moment I really enjoyed that we just go straight from that body to like Four people, five people, just screaming, panicking like, on the street. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like get out of the house. Yeah, it's like yeah. Oh, it's smart. Like this movie is pretty smart in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. So the cop. Oh, his name is Deputy Scott Stubbs. Yeah, Lachlan Monroe is this actor's name, and I've never seen scary movies, so I what? recognized. I mean, I've seen this guy in a bunch of stuff, but yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna like fucking go to bat for scary movie, but I'm shocked mm. you like. I don't know. Seemed like that I, was just like required viewing for post people like, of a certain age. Post like nineteen ninety four, I got no, I got no love for spoofs. Sure, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I can like, see that. Hot Shots Part Two. That's where I am. That's where I'm like, yeah. Anything, there, anything post Hot Shots, I'm not interested in. The funniest thing that I remember from Scary Movie is after like the inciting incident murder, like the Drew Barrymore uh-huh. equivalents death equivalent yeah um it cuts to a bunch of news cat news crews uh out front of the school during their story about it yeah it like goes it pans down through them then it gets to bet and the dude the dude's like white people are dead we're getting the fuck out of here and they they get in their van and speed off (laughs) that's great you know what i'll say i have one exception to this i do like not another teen movie think that one's fun oh i never saw that one yeah you've never um, seen not guys. another teen movie no <laughs> sorry uh wasn't that one directed uh, written by the guy who wrote chernobyl is it yeah he like, like direct he did a bunch of those and then he did chernobyl wow anyway you um i'll let you look it up or not look it up but uh so then they are at the Oh, okay. Oh, the cops are there. They think it's Freddy. It must be Freddy Krueger because it's Nancy's house. So there's no other person who could do it. Right. The sheriff is like, hey, 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 no, don't, don't mention that name. The sheriff, very much a scumbag in this movie. Uh, at the station, the kids don't know anything. Like none of them saw anything happen. Um, and the sheriff, the Stubbs, is like interviewing Lori about it, and the sheriff kind of pulls him aside. It's like, you know. It's it's our case now. Mm-hmm. Um, her father's on the way. She's freaked out. They keep asking her questions about like, hey, have you had any dreams lately? Is there anything you remember from your dreams? Uh, and then she, in a exasperatedly like, puts her head down, and I guess 
falls asleep. Yeah. And she remembers Freddy's name, and that gives him some power. And mm-hmm. the, the station changes. It's empty now. And she gets up and starts looking around, and there's this, like, drop of blood that hits the ground and keeps disappearing. She follows it. Passes by a wall of missing kids. She finds this little girl collapsed against the wall, breathing heavy, and she turns her around, and her eyes are gone. Uh, and then the little girl says, his name's Freddy Krueger, and he loves children, especially little girls. You. Um, and then she backs, Lori backs up. She's suddenly at the how at her house, blood's dripping down from the, from the door. Uh, and then we get that classic one, two, Freddy's coming for you song of little girl and little girls jump roping mm-hmm. in the cemetery. And Freddie pops out and scares her. And she wakes up in the sheriff's office. So her dad's there to come get her. Immediately you get weird vibes from him and the sheriff. It feels like there's some sort of conspiracy going on between the two. Yeah. We'll see. Um, we'll see. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 the wrong dad. It's Blake's dad. He's, he's on the porch. Oh, yes. The Blake and, and his dad scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, his dad's being a dick to him. He's like, hey, just lay off me, man. My best friend just died. Give me some space. And then um, he, he uh, falls asleep and he hears this rust, rustling in the bushes um, and he goes to investigate and there's a goat behind him. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a weird dream happening. And then Freddy's there. Freddy's shadow comes out of him and stabs him through the chest. But Freddy's not strong enough mm-hmm. to kill him. Um, but he will be soon enough. And he's like, until then, I'll let Jason have some fun. <laughs> and then Blake wakes up on his porch swing and his dad's sitting next to him. He's like, Dad? And his dad's head just falls off. <laughs> blood <laughs> erupts from his stump in his neck. Yeah. Uh, body count's up to three. Jason's there. He picks up his dad's head and Jason just kind of chops through the head and him. And blood splashes onto the window. Body count's four. I like this. I like the juxtaposition of like escaping Freddy in the dream, waking up and immediately being murdered by Jason. Yeah, pretty, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then we're in the mental hospital, the Springwood. I guess it's called Spring. Uh, no, no, it's called uh, Winfield or what? some shit. I wrote it down later. Something Hills, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then we're in line Weston with the patients Hills. to Weston Hills. We're in line with the patients to get their meds. We meet Mark and Will, played by Jason Ritter. Uh, this new, the news story about the murders come up, and he recognizes Lori, and we realize Lori is his ex. Um, the guy behind the medicine counter like freaks out, like turns the uh, TV off, and Will freaks out. And everybody who is in this hospital, the people who run it, are just fucking dicks. Yeah. They don't really care about the uh, well-being of their patients, it seems. Uh, so he knows it's Lori's house, and he wants to get out of here and go back to Springwood so he can make sure she's okay. Uh, but the reason why he's in there, I, apparently, is that he told the cops that Lori's dad killed her mom, and they shipped her off, he shipped him off to this institution. Um, in their bedroom, he shares a bedroom with his friend Will, which is convenient for him. Yeah, and for the, you know, the way they want to shoot these scenes. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, 
and Will misses his family. His brother committed suicide. It's unclear why Will is in there. Like, did do they ever talk about why Will is in there? He just kind of went off the deep end after his brother died. I think it's yeah, it's just his brother. Um, okay. Yeah. So they come up with a plan to get out. Uh, cut to Will sticking his bare ass on the window of that dickhead orderly. There's a fart sound in there, <laughs> which is unnecessary. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like, there's a cut where like Kinsey gets his like shots out, like his like syringes and then just right. cuts to Will unconscious being dragged down the the hallway. Then he gets put back in his room and he had stole the orderly's keys. So now they have mm-hmm. a way out. So this is where we meet Dr. Campbell, who's Lori's dad. And uh, he's questioning her, like, did you see anything? No, Dad, I didn't. Um, and he's like, I don't know what I'd do without you. You're the only one I have left. Dad, I'm not going anywhere, I promise. Then she falls asleep, and suddenly his face turns into Freddy, and she jerks awake. Um, she's like, I just need to go to school. It's like, yeah, but you are you know, you went through a lot. You should stay home. She's like, no, I just got to be around my friends. Yeah. Um, she leaves. The sheriff is there. He tells her dad that Will has escaped from the right, hospital. Hold, hold on, I want to go. I want to go over something that I feel like I had written down something about, and I feel like it's sort of important to the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like her dad is also trying to drug her during this whole. Oh scene yes, yes, yes. With a, he's put something called hypnosil into a glass of orange juice. Uh, oh, you know what? I don't think I caught that. I think because I, no, I was writing, I think I missed yeah. that. This is and like this is like the third time we've seen hypnosil somewhere. Right. Like, yeah, it's something it's, like the even Will is like what is this stuff? Hypnosil? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's what they're feeding Mark, everybody Mark at, at the at the mental asylum and then right, yeah. and then he tries to put it into her orange juice at which point I wrote down, "Man, those hypnosil people must have paid for some serious product placement." Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, yes, thank you for correcting yeah. me on that because that is something that is important to the, yeah, to it. Um, so yeah, he, the sheriff's talking. He's like, you know, they want to keep this thing contained. Is what he keeps stressing. Uh, at school, she finds out from Gib that Blake and her da- his dad were killed. Um, and then Gib's like, "This is bullshit. They're the police are blaming Blake like it's some sort of Columbine thing," which is. <laughs> You know, of the time. Yeah, remember when there was just one mass school shooting that you could refer to as yeah, shorthand? Yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. Oof. Uh, we meet Charlie, who's like this nerd guy who has a crush on Lori. Yeah, this is an actor I like. Uh, Chris yeah. Marquette. Yeah. Um, he, I knew him best from The Girl Next Door. Oh, uh, sure, yeah, which, yeah. The, which came out, I think, the year after this, actually. Yeah, um, and Elijah Dushku pretty... is that is that who it is? No, it's Alicia Cuthbert. I get the, I get my Dushkus, my Cuthberts confused. Yeah, I'm a Cuthbert man. Uh, yeah, she's, what can I say? She's a hottie. She's also really funny on Happy Endings. Um, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's definitely a Stone Cold Fox. Uh, but yeah, also uh, he had a short and really really good uh, arc on the first season of Barry. Um, Oh, oh, is he the the boyfriend? He, no, he's like uh, Barry's buddy from uh, the military. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So he's got like that a, show's yeah. fucking great. Yeah, I love that show. I I do. I've I've I'm ashamed to say that I love the first season and I have not watched the second season yet. So oh, it's great. It's I will. It's, yeah, that show just keeps getting better, in my opinion. Nice. Yeah. Um. So uh, there's this stoner dude named Bill, and he's passing out flyers to a rave that we later see in a cornfield. Uh, and then Lori starts talking to Gib about uh, Gib and Kia about her Freddy nightmares. And everybody sort of stops and listens to what she's talking about. So it's spreading. This idea of Freddy is spreading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mark, Mark and Will are both there. And Mark is like somehow just like an expert on Freddy, I guess. And he's like, <laughs> you know what? That actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Maybe that's what that's that's why he's in the asylum. Oh, not because just he his knows brother. so much about Freddy. Yeah, because he's like a he is a Freddy survivor type, mm-hmm. and I guess he does remember some stuff. Yeah, yeah. That that is kind of his role is to be like the one letting everybody know about Freddy Krueger because he's he knows who he is. So she sees Will and collapses, faints. Then we're in the nurse's office and she's sleeping. Uh, we see like Freddy's shape behind some like pebbled glass, and uh, Gib is looking at a magazine about plastic surgery, and it keeps the pictures keep getting more and more graphic, and she's like flipping through them faster. Then Freddy comes out of the pages and sticks his blade into her nose. He's like, "Got your nose!" and tears her nose off. She wakes up, but she's fine. Yeah. Um, is, isn't this Kelly Rowland's character? That's what I said, right? Did I say Gib? You said Gib, yeah. I accidentally wrote Gib. Yeah, Kia. It's Kia. Yeah. Um, Mark and Will were with them. Mark realizes he's not crazy because she's had the same dreams as him. Then the cops confront them in the school. They run out of there. Then in the they go to the library. They're looking up info on Freddy Krueger, and they find out all the obituaries have been blacked out. Mm-hmm. All of his victims, all mention of Freddy Krueger has been is just yeah. erased. Including, uh, what's his face is Mark's brother, Mark's right? brother, yeah. Who yeah. committed suicide, apparently. Uh, supposedly. Supposedly. It's a, Jeff, it's a real Jeffrey Epstein uh, situation. Um, so, then, uh, yeah, then they realize, like, oh, they're try- everybody's trying to cover up Freddy. They're, like, burying this idea of, that, of Freddy being out there. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of quarantining, and they're quarantining us, the people who know about him, in Weston Hills. So they're trying, they're putting it all together. Uh, and Mark tells Will that Freddy spreads through fear, which again is a huge leap. I don't know why he knows that. <laughs> yeah, this um, happens a couple of times later in the movie too, where people yes. make just these giant leaps to like put the plot elements together. Yes, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and it, it does. It never really completely works in these like big info dumps. Right. Um, and so then that's why they want to forget. They want him to forget because he's gonna spread. He's gonna spread like the plague. Uh, and they talk about how they can't. They realize like, oh, when was the last time you had a dream? Like I don't know. I can't remember. So they're putting it's all the, the pieces hypnosil. together. It's the hypnosil man. It's in the water. Did, did hypnosil make you think of Timosil from Arrested Development? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think about it. Okay. <laughs> um. So Will borrows Mark's brother's sweet ass van with the carpeted walls. <laughs> yeah, I I just wrote down. I have no idea where this sick van came from, but it is sick. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's it was his pride and joy. He says. 
So be careful with it. And then so we get some glow sticks. We're raving to the grave, baby. Oh, man. This corn rave. So it's a rave in a cornfield. And yeah. I was just like, holy shit. I want to go to this corn rave so bad. It looked rad. I know. I, yeah. I, I miss. I long for a time when we can safely attend corn raves again. <laughs> oh, I think we should. What do you think? My bachelor party? Corn rave? <laughs> All right. I'll put it on the Slack channel. Okay, I'll, great. I'll propose it. Uh, Charlie drives in with his scooter. This is this dude named Shaq. This is the bigger guy named Shaq. Makes him drink some beer. I really fuck off with this poor man's Jack Black. Yeah, he is. He's very much a Jack Black type. Uh, and then we cut to Jason. He picks up like a sharp pipe. Um, Charlie approaches Lori and Kia cock blocks him. Um, then he's he's drunk, so he's he's like got some liquid courage in him, and he goes off on Kia about yo, you hate me, but it's because you really hate yourself. He's like kind of it's a little bit of an incel. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but also like Kia's real mean to yeah, him. Yeah, Kia is so, very mean to him. So I think they're kind of just trading, fairly trading blows. But yeah, shades of incel. <laughs> it's my favorite paint color. Um. <laughs> So then people in the crowd start whispering to each other, or not whispering, they're at a rave, but talking to each other, like, oh yeah, did you hear? Freddie killed, Bri- Freddy killed Blake. So it's starting to spread. Uh, and then Will's there, Lori sees him. And this is a weird moment. He's like, she's like, Lori, uh, Lori's like, where have you been, Will? He's like, you didn't get any of my letters? So implying that like he's been writing letters and the hospital's mm-hmm. been not sending them. Yeah. He explains that he was in a murder. He was in, he was in a murder. <laughs> he was in a psychiatric hospital with the other kids. Uh, and we, cause he suspected Lori's dad of committing murder. Right. Which um, is a huge thing to drop on her at a corner. Yeah. Grave. And he's like, and I think your dad killed Trey too. Yeah. Uh, so Gib goes into the corn and, she sees Trey's dead body um, and she follows him into a barn. It's lit red, of course, signifying Freddy. Then Freddy's shadows on the wall. The door disappears behind her. And he sort of presses his face through, through the wall as we've seen Freddy do before. Yeah. Now, did we ever establish how Gib fell asleep at a corn rave? Uh, no, but it does establish. She just passed out. She was too she drunk. Passed she passed drinking. out from okay, drinking. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So, like, I didn't know if that worked with Freddie because, you know, people tend, I, you, I think people tend not to dream as much. Like, you don't sure, dream when yeah. you, like, pass out from drinking. So, yeah. I don't know if that's, like, cheating, but uh, apparently not. Sort of, yeah, I don't know. It, I know I don't, if I've been, I've never passed out, but if I've been drinking heavily, I don't dream. I don't sleep. Yeah. But, I mean, I sleep. I but sleep just, like shit. Yeah, it's the yeah. worst. Like I did two nights ago. <laughs> um, so uh, she's... Oh, then it cuts to that part. Exactly. She's passed out in a field, dreaming all of this. Uh, the, the barn becomes the boiler room. Freddie chases her around. Then she's like up on this catwalk, and she trips backwards and falls to the ground. And then this is gross. In reality, some rave dude just is trying to rape her. Like, there's no yeah. other way to put it. He's yeah. like on top of her, kissing her neck and shit. 
Uh, and in her dream, she like hides in a locker. Freddy flings the locker open. He's about to slice her, and suddenly her chest bursts and sprays Freddy with blood. He's super confused. And then we see, in reality, Jason is there, and he's pinned her and the other dude on top of her together with this pipe. And he flings the guy off, throws him into the corn. Body count goes up to six. I believe. Let me let me double check that number. I think that's correct. Um, it seems low. It seems low, right? Yeah, maybe I missed one. Did okay, I miss well one? let's let's think. We got the girl at the beginning, right? Uh, we've yeah, got the last Blake. person. Yep. No, no, no. That's got to be at least. Okay, hold on. Girl at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then we get Trey. Uh, Trey. Then we get Blake and his Blake dad. Blake and his dad. That's four. And That's then it. this is five and six? Yep. Oh, wow. That was okay. right. Okay. Wow. Phew. Uh, then Freddy is fucking pissed. She's mine. She's mine. That should have been his kill. Uh, and then there's that, that guy, that Jack Black type, Shaq. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this Everclear's kicking my ass. And then Jason comes out of the corn. He's behind him and this other guy. Uh, and he's like, this isn't a Halloween party, you corn pone. Why don't you go find yourself a pig to fuck? Really, really lays into it. Yeah, it's weird. It's they get, They're get really aggressive with Jason, and I guess he's not a nice guy, but they don't know that yet. You know? Yeah. And also, this movie kind of makes him a nice guy who happens yeah. to kill people in horrific yeah. ways. Definitely. Uh, then Jason fully twists the other guy's head around, and... Shaq lights him on fire with the like, splashes him with Everclear and lights him on fire and runs out of there. Uh, body count seven. Uh, and then this is, I love this shot. Jason's le- leaving this burning path through the corn as yeah. he chases Shaq. It's like an aerial shot and he's on fire and walking through the corn and just lighting everything on fire. Sort of like a, you know, looks like a meteor going through the cornfield yeah it's cool um and then (laughs) he just flings his flaming machete through shack as shack like emerges into the party body count goes up to eight then very quickly he slashes a random party goer then another uh then cuts open a keg and that puts him out um and things are more, it, it, it just like goes things escalate it's yeah crazy. people are running around freaking out Lori finds gibbs body there's another there's a, three more party goers are killed rapidly body count goes up to 13 very quickly yeah and then we're in the back of the van with yeah Kia, Lori, charlie will um they're all freaking out they don't know what to do the corn they, rave I, I just want to, because now we've moved past the corn rave. I thought this was a dope scene. It ends a little bit unceremoniously, uh, which yeah, is unfortunate because I think it's like, this is honestly to me, like one of my favorite set pieces of any of these movies. Uh huh. It's and that is exactly right. It's a set piece. It's like, it's yeah. like a big action sequence in this movie. It's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Because like the only movie that's ever like put Jason really in the midst of larger groups of people, I guess is maybe Jason takes Manhattan a little bit, but even then it, it really kind of separates them out for the most part. And I think it's just a cool conceit that I wish we'd see more of 
across some of these movies is just like more of like the mass. I mean, not that I'm like I'm just gonna <laughs> pro mass murder, but it's just like yeah, it's 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 cool that he's just like hacking around and like turn around and there's another person to murder and it's just like you know uh, you'd expect to see that especially like on a party boat. <laughs> But no. Yeah, no, because it's always like he picks one per- one person away from the pack, kills them, yeah. mm-hmm. tricks, you know, th- like throws a body through a window and then kills them. Right. You know, but it's never like all at once. So it's it's cool to see. It's a nice pay- change of pace. Yeah. Um, So they drop Kia off at her house. Um, Will tells Lori that the reason he was sent to Weston was because he saw her dad kill her mom. So we see that. Then we see a flashback of it. Uh, and it's like Lori's dad with a knife. Um, and then suddenly her dad's outside of the window. He's like, get out of the van. You can't trust him, Lori. And the dad grabs Will by the throat. Lori runs inside and she's like screaming because she'd been told that her mom had died in a car accident. She's like, is that true, Dad? Like, yes, of course she did. Prove it. Tell me, show me a death certificate. Um, and then she confronts him about working at Weston Hills, the, the mental hospital. Right. She's like, you're just a regular, you know, physician. Yeah. And, and it, feels, it feels like there's a scene missing here, right? Yeah, right. I, as Maybe it's something I missed in my recap. But I was just thinking, like, well, how does she make that connection? Does yeah, maybe and like, Will must have said something, right? Will, yeah, I think Will Will says something to that effect. But it's like, if that's the way you want to go, then we should have seen him at Weston Hills. Like, yeah, exactly. Just show him there, like right. dropping off the, you know, checking on patients, or like mm-hmm. dropping off the. I was almost said hydroxychloroquine, the hypnocells. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, the hypnocell actually does what it's the supposed to do. The hypnocell works. It's yeah. successful in preventing the spread of Freddy. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, she confronts about working there. And says, oh my God, you knew about Will this entire time. Um, and he, he wants to give her the hypnocell. He's like, he has it. He's like, just take this and we'll talk about it in the morning. And then she locks herself in the room, in her room and climbs down the lattice meets back up with Will. Um, you know, they have to figure out why, how her father is involved in the cover-up of Freddy Krueger. And to mm-hmm. do that, they need Mark. He's the expert in all this. Yep. So then at Mark's house, he's looking at a picture of his brother. Suddenly, the sh- he hears the shower going. There's steam coming from the bathroom. So we realize he must be dreaming. He must have fallen asleep. Right. Um, he opens the bathroom door. It's empty. And he goes for his last caffeine pill. He sees Freddy in the mirror, gets freaked out and drops it down the sink. And then his brother emerges from a bloody bathtub and talks in Freddy's voice. Like the puddle of blood is like growing underneath him and the tentacles and snakes start, start like coming and yeah. Attaching themselves to, to Will's, uh, Mark's legs. There's a real it feeling to all of this. It did, yeah. yeah. Very much. Uh, and so then Will and Lori get to the house, and they're looking through his window, which has bars on the window, and they see him asleep. Uh, and they're, like, pounding on the pounding right. on the door, trying to wake him up or the window. And Freddy tells him, I need, I need you to send him a message. He's like, no, I won't do it. He's like, well, then I'll have to pa- pass the message on myself. 
and Freddy lights him on fire, fling, flings him across the room while while uh, Mark and Lori or Will and Lori are watching. Yeah, and they just continue to to like be horrified and sort of shake the window. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, and it, and it's just like, go somewhere, go, go inside, try to get in the house. Yeah kick down the door like they just watch the whole thing happen it's dumb. right yeah like slashes appear on his face mm-hmm. and then he falls over and he has a burning message on his back and it says freddy's back and i wrote no mark's back <laughs> um is this freddy's first kill i think so yeah yeah so technically we got to 13 jason alone and now they're gonna start trading off yeah, so 14 total body count, 13 for Jason, 1 for Freddy. Uh, the deputy is putting all the pieces together. Oh, this is the part that we were just talking about, in my opinion. He, like, kind of fig- – the deputy, like, kind of figures yeah. it all out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he presents it all to the sheriff, and he's immediately blown off. Yeah, um, the sheriff is not interested in hearing about Jason Voorhees. He's convinced this is strictly a Freddy Krueger joint. Yeah, and don't say his name. They've had four years of peace by not speaking Freddy's name. So it's been working. This approach has been working. Yeah. Turns uh, out social distancing works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just wear a mask and social distance. <laughs> um, so then we're at some hangout place. I, I can't remember whose house it is. Maybe it's Bill. But uh, the teens are all planning. Charlie, Will, Lori, Kia, and Bill. Um. And then the deputy comes in and is like, how'd you find it? He's like, yeah, your Scooby van was parked out front. And then the deputy tells them the story about Jason Voorhees. And he thinks they have a car. Sorry. No, no. He comes in with a real cool deputy energy. He's like, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not going to bust you. And I was like half expecting him to sit on his chair backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like the stoner guy's like smoking pot. He's like, well, then I guess mm-hmm. I can do this, right? <laughs> um, and then so yeah, he thinks he got a Jason copycat, and Charlie, uh, the the nerd, is like, well, it's probably the real Jason. Um, oh yeah, no, this yeah, Will completely nails the premise of the movie and just says, uh, and just says it. He's just like, well, I bet what's happening is, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Freddy's using Jason. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. He just says the premise of the movie, (laughs) right? (laughs) With with like no discussion or lead up to it. It's like, well, all right, well, good guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you are one hundred percent correct. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then (laughs) there's a weird line. Laurie's like, "Freddy died by fire, and Jason by water. How could we use that?" Which I wrote. (laughs) just feels like that's exactly what was said in the writer's room. Like, and they just yeah. like re- incorporate it into the script. No one bothered to translate it into dialogue. They no, just exactly. left it in there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess Jason has often been entombed by water and drowned, but I don't know if he's ever been afraid of it. He willingly goes into water in. Yeah. A lot. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they decide to go after Freddy first, and they, they want to give him a virgin sacrifice. And everybody turns to Charlie. He's like, dude, don't look at me. Even if you pay for it, it still counts. So <laughs> Charlie is, is, uh, has used the services of a sex worker. I'm assuming underage, though, which is weird. 
Yeah, she. They. Uh, who? Who's to say? We don't who's know. to say? Who knows? Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not. I'm not going to stand in judgment. No. Uh, and then Kia's like, "Well, we all know who the real virgin is. It's Lori. Let's tie the bitch up." <laughs> um. Oh, and they all, you know, they she all says, get up and yeah, yeah, they all get up and suddenly. Lori's dad's there and he kisses her all creepily and turns into Freddy, of course. And she screams and rips his ear off. And she's suddenly shaken awake and she's holding the ear and she throws it on the ground and just turns into a bunch of worms or something. Yeah. Um, so it this begs the question, like, this dialogue is ridiculous for this scene and all these people coming up with these ideas and stuff. But also it's like, well, I guess they can cheat and say, well, at what point during the scene did it become a dream sequence, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's that's like true. in the Nightmare on Elm Street style. There's no clear point of delineation where it's like she was awake and now she's asleep. But that all that being said, it's still like a very odd kind of thing. But Yeah. Um, but obviously the big piece of useful information is her ability to take this ear out of the dream right exactly um so we're not safe awake or asleep and will realizes like well at weston we didn't have dreams we took an experimental drug called hypnosil it's used to suppress dreams so then they break into the weston to get the hit get the hypnosil uh this is super high-tech security room which is insane <laughs> for a mental hospital yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. There's like blinking consoles everywhere and like eight monitors. I will be honest and say that this place, like the the way this set it looks, is so uh, futuristic and all this weird stuff that I I didn't even realize. Like I lost sight of the fact that this is the same mental asylum that they were in earlier in the movie because it's yeah, just like yeah, it, is. it looks like a science lab. It doesn't look like a like a mental aside. especially like the secret room they find later yeah um so bill's in there he smokes a joint and suddenly there's a security guard expect inspecting someone pounding on the door uh and then we see charlie and the deputy like walking down a staircase they hear a shot and then they find the security dead the security guard is dead underneath a door crushed uh so body counts up to 15 now Will shows Lori and Kia the patients who couldn't stop dreaming. They're all on gurneys hooked up to like ventilators. Um, how does I wrote? How does Will know about this? Uh, <laughs> everybody, all... everybody knows what they need to know to keep this train moving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they're all in comas because they've been given too much hypnosil. Uh, and Lori's like, "Who would do this?" And Will's like, "Well, your dad's signature is all over these forms." holds up so we, we know that dr campbell mm -hmm. has been behind this bill's smoking his dube in the security office i wrote sweet jams play i'm not sure what it is <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it is like it's cool like kind of classic rock like yeah that's what it is yeah it's supposed to feel like oh yeah get high tune in drop out <laughs> suddenly oh right yeah 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 because it's like yeah it's like psychedelic because yeah, suddenly the door opens and a caterpillar with Freddy's face comes in with a hookah. <laughs> a giant caterpillar. Yes, a giant caterpillar. Not a normal-sized caterpillar with a hookah. <laughs> a giant caterpillar. 
Uh, it blows smoke in Bill's face and then squeezes out under the door yeah. <laughs> the way it came. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who's wondering who the fuck is Bill, he's the stoner, and that's it. That's literally all the character development they ever did for him. Like, yes. He has he's no... Just, we, he's about to fulfill his purpose. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so... All, he walks like he follows the caterpillar and suddenly he's in that room with the coma patients and they're all sitting up and whispering and pointing at him which I thought was creepy mm-hmm. and they tell him destroy the hypnosil and then uh, suddenly the caterpillar climbs down his throat and he's possessed by Freddy now yeah um, which would have made more sense if it was like the creature from uh, Jason goes to hell Oh, um, yeah. Little poop worm. Little poop worm. Jason attacks a deputy and Charlie in security office, and then the deputy gets electrocuted. Oh, no, no, no. Jason gets electrocuted, but he grabs the deputy and yeah. kind of completes the circuit and electrocutes him. I was a little surprised because I thought they, it seemed like they were setting up Stubbs to be a bit of bigger character than this. Yeah. Um, he, and but, exactly. I, yeah. yeah. What were you going to say? But no. Now, yeah, this is it. He's gonna die now. And and uh, I hate electrocution deaths. Really? I, yeah. I think they're always lame. Yeah, I think we talked about this, and I yeah, yeah, we that did. They're yeah. not. Uh, they're ne- they're never very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, Lori and company hear the screaming, and they go to investigate. Uh, so Bill, possessed Bill, finds a syringe with some medicine in it. It's like some sort of sedative it's an immobilizer strong. which we know because it's called immobatine oh is that what it is <laughs> yeah immobatine <laughs> i like that um jason bursts into the room with kia Lori, and will they run past bill who's speaking now in freddie's voice he's like let me handle this bitch it says bitch a lot uh <laughs> Bill has his syringes behind his back and Jason's coming at him. He's like, these are my children, Jason. Go back to where you belong. And he plunges the syringes into Jason's neck. And then Jason fucking chops him right in half. Uh, Body count goes up to 17. And then Jason collapses. Yeah, it's cool. It's 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 a pretty fun... Both parts of him go fall into the floor. We get some blood and, and guts. Uh, so then we're in Jason's dream, and he hears his mom's voice, like, Jason, my special, special boy. Um, and it's suddenly he's in the boiler room. His mom's yelling for him, and Freddy says, it's time to put this bad dog to sleep for good. And he chops both of Jason's arms off. Uh, oh, Jason chops both of Freddy's arms off, but Freddy kind of like grows him back, no problem, because we're in the dreams dream world now mm-hmm. uh they fight jason gets his machete thrown into a pipe and freddie kicks him uh freddie impales him with the machete and then keeps like flinging tiles into it to drive it deeper yeah f- freddie flings him and this part is fucking dumb we hear the sound effects of a pinball machine yeah as jason's being oh, flung like around mm-hmm. and then he hits the ground and freddie's like tilt yeah, pretty dumb. it's a little, it's too tongue in cheek. It's stupid. Uh, then this giant tank just falls on Jason, crushing him. 
and Freddy's getting pissed. Like, why won't you die? Um, Jason tosses the tank off of himself, throws Freddy into some pipes, uh, and it bursts a water main or something. And the screen turns green, I guess, signifying that they're on even playing field now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jason like stops before the water and, uh, Freddy's like, Oh, so you are afraid of something after all. Jason won't walk through a little sheet of water. I know. And I get, and I got very frustrated and I was just like, in this series, Jason is afraid of water the 5% of the time that it's convenient to the story. And that's it. Yes. Like this is the second time it's ever come up. I think Jason takes Manhattan is the only other time where it's like at the end, he's like afraid of the rushing water. But it's yeah. like he yes. fucking yes. swam to Manhattan, and like, yes. and this and like you you mentioned part six, he literally like follows Tommy Jarvis out into the lake, like walks willingly into the lake to go kill him. And there's a there's more time. I th- I know there are other times that he's gone into the water, so it's just like it's it is yeah. annoying that they chose it to go annoying. this direction. He should have puked water when he saw the water. <laughs> Anytime Jason sees water, he should puke water. Yeah. Well, he does in a second. Um, does he? Oh, in yeah, he does. World. You're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Because I have to give him mouth to mouth. Uh, yeah, so that we're in the van with Jason uh, all tied up, and he's, like, immobilized by the immobatine. Um, they're driving <laughs> to Camp Crystal Lake to put Jason there so that they'll leave him alone. Which I think is a good strategy. <laughs> I think it's a good strategy, too. It's very funny that, like, of all these crazy leaps that they've made, that this one happened off-screen, and we just yeah, find out yeah, that they're right. on the way to Crystal Lake. It's like, yeah, wait, yeah. what? We had to this listen to you talk moves, about all... Yeah. This movie moves fast, too. It like, does, it... and I think I think that's a little bit of a Ronnie U thing. I, mm-hmm. I And I think, and not to say... You know, I do like him, but I think I think it works a little bit better in Bride of Chucky. But the pace here reminds me of Bride of Chucky in that mm-hmm. they're like, because that's almost a, like a little bit of a road movie too. And they're like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of scenes like this where we just jump to the next scene and people are going somewhere and things are happening. And so there's like a cool kind of kinetic movement to it, but also this is so plot heavy and like, this is just like, wait, what they're going to crystal Lake. We're not going to talk about this first. Right. Yeah. It would have been nice to have like somebody coming to the realization of that's what they should do. Right. But I get it. I mean, I, he wants to keep it going, uh, keep Mm -hmm. the movie, movie moving. Totally. Um, and then, so they're like, well, what if Freddie wins the fight? He's like, well, at least Jason will have home field advantage. And then we see, uh, Freddie, Jason as a child, is like cowering in his mask. Uh, and then Freddie pulls up his mask, and he looks like the, like the little boy. The first in part yeah. one, they did a good job with that because we've had some bad versions of this in yes. past movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they did a very good job of like, yeah, this is what I remember of like the drowning Jason Voorhees from part one. Um, he's like. Now let's see what scares you. And he puts his like blade into Jason's yeah. head. Needle finger. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like see his and memories. I was, like, I was like, Oh, this is fucked up. They're like stabbing a kid in the head. And it's like, I guess it's the dream world, but it's still like, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, 
And I wrote, they're humanizing Jason, and I'm here for it. I yeah. Kinda, I kind of like all this stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, then you remember, it's like Jason has murdered like 200 people, and that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, they do, they do make a clear choice here to make it so that when you're comparing Jason and Freddy, that like Freddy is much more evil than Jason mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so then in, we see in Jason's mind, um, he's like jag, dragging a body out of out of the lake and into his cabin, and everything's underwater. Um, and then we cut to in the van; they're running out of that immobitine, so they only have a certain amount of time left. Um, and they have they they have to have what? Oh yeah, that's something that um, they maybe said earlier, but they have to have one dose left for Lori so they can drug her and she can grab Freddy and bring him back into the real world. Yeah. And again, like this plot all makes sense, but it would have made a lot more sense if there had been a hatching of the plot. Mm -hmm. scene. Yeah, exactly. They set a 15 minute timer. They drug Lori. Then she dreams that she's at camp crystal Lake in the fifties. And we see child Jason getting bullied uh, they call him a freak show. They put the bag over his head, which I liked. Uh, yeah. Kind of tying it to part two. Mm-hmm. Um, there are counselors straight up fucking outside on the porch. <laughs> yeah. And at first it's funny. Uh, yeah. You're like, you're like, this is ridiculous. But then one of them turns to Freddy. You're like, oh, okay. That didn't actually happen. Yeah. Turns to Freddy because Lori's watching all this, right? Yeah. This Lori's point. like, yeah. Because yeah. so Lori has gone in now. Yeah, is that is that what we're? Yeah, she, and she's like understand? witnessing all of this, and like yeah. screaming and stuff. So right here, I have a note. This is worth mentioning because this is going to come up again in a second. That up until this point, I had no candidates for moments that have aged to the worst. And then the camp counselors are fucking, and then uh, one of them turn the girl turns into, or the guy turns into Freddy, and the girl is dead. Yes. And there's like an exchange. Um, what is it? What, I forget what Lori says something. and it, But anyways, Freddie just has this line where he's like, it's not my fault this bitch is dead on her feet. And he's like. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been. They were just talking and now he's like holding a corpse. And it's like, is this like a necrophilia thing? And they're like talking about. It. I was like, cool. Now I definitely have a candidate for like a thing that aged poorly that feels gross. Oh, no. Wait a couple minutes. Yeah. This movie, yeah, all of a sudden, just like three quarters of the way through, it's like, hey, this has been pretty politically correct up until now. Let's just completely obliterate that four times over in the span of like 10 minutes. And then specifically in the span of like 30 seconds, let's just blow this out of the water. Yeah. Um, So um, then in the in this like dream, she sees the kids push Jason, push Jason into the lake. Um, and Lori tries to save him. Freddy comes out of the water and jumps, like jumps out of the water, kind of like Jason always does and drags him under Jason starts to drown, but they need him alive. He's a coughing up water. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlie's like, what do you want me to do? Give him mouth to mouth or something. And they all realize like, well, that's actually a pretty good idea. And it's like, yeah, no, I can't. I have asthma. Uh, I don't have the lung power for it. So Kia has to do it. Uh, then she has to give his like fucked up face mouth to mouth. Um, and then suddenly Jason sits up. Everybody gets freaked out. 
the van crashes. <laughs> yeah, it flips really over. Spe- spectacularly so. so. Yeah. It's a, our third crash of the series. Mm-hmm. Not um, Definitely not low speed, though. No, this is an intense crash. This is much more akin to the RV crash. Yeah. yeah. Um, Freddy jumps out of the water. Uh, wait. Like, well, hold on. The oh, van sure. crash. Oh, yes. I, the I, van crash I ends. This. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to do you want to say what happened or do you want to? Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, this is something I missed. Okay, yeah. So the van crashes and then the back doors fly open and while it is flipping over, Jason goes flying out of the back yeah, and like yeah. into the woods, like yeah. 20 feet in the air. It's an insane <laughs> It's a little CGI'd, but it it is so goofy. It, I didn't mind. It was like so he, he like shoots out of the back of the van into the yeah. woods. <laughs> That's why she always wears a a safety belt. That's true. Um so back in the dream, Freddy jumps out of the water like crouching tiger. Uh and then Lori's alarm goes off and she grabs him. But she's all right, she's like, Wake me up, I got him. But she she can't get out, she's still dreaming. Mm. Um and then of course they can't wake her up because they're crashed outside. Right. Uh right outside of the camp Crystal Lake. Um so in her dream, her dad's chasing her with a knife. And in reality, they're like carrying her to Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, and in her dream, Lori sees her mom being stabbed by her dad. And then she pulls him away. And it's Freddy who's actually stabbing her. And she's mm-hmm. like, Freddy, it was you. Um, Can we um, pause very briefly? Mm-hmm. Let's hold this spot. To talk, they t- they talked about this a little bit in Crystal Lake Memories, but I had already written some notes about it. The geography of Camp Crystal Lake and what we are learning now, because they have driven from Springwood, Ohio, to Crystal Lake in mm-hmm. the span of one night. Right uh, now, I went ahead and got on Google Maps because the thing is, like, <laughs> there is. Canonically, they've never placed Crystal Lake in a state. Um, right. The, but the one thing that we know is that they went on this Atlantic cruise in part eight. Right. But they also never specifically say how close Crystal Lake is to the ocean, right? Like they maybe could have driven right. a ways to get to this cruise. But. What we have just learned now is that wherever Crystal Lake is, it is within a night's drive from Ohio. And, like, I think Youngstown is, like, the furthest eastern city, major, like, not major city, but I I use that as a reference. It's, like, five miles or whatever from the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Um, But, yeah, it's a long drive. It takes, I mean, it's it's about seven and a half hours to, to get to the closest point of the Atlantic Ocean from... Ohio, uh-huh. so so just something I think that's worth that's worth thinking about. I don't know if you gave any thought to this, if you have any feelings uh, on. I I thought I thought about it, and I was realizing that they never, like you said, never named a state that it was in. But right. I was always under the impression that it was like New Jersey or something. I think uh, that's what most people settle on. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, they get to from ohio to new jersey i've done i drove from new york city to ohio 
in a day. It was like a full day of yeah. driving. Like yeah. Eight or nine hours like that. Apparently the corn rave ended very early. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, you know, we don't know what time of year it was. Maybe it was a very, very mild winter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, I don't want to say that this uh, this stretches reality, that this might not be actually plausible, but it, it's tough. But anyways. Fuck this movie. Hmm. I hate it. Um, just kidding. So they can't wake Laurie up. They're at the camp. They're at the camp. In the dream, Jason... Uh, is in a cabin. Freddy's. Oh yeah, Freddy's cutting up like uh, what's her face is Lori's chest, and we can see mm-hmm. her wounds start to appear on her skin. Um, in real life, Jason knocks over a, c- a can of gas, and suddenly he's behind Will. Um, it's a lot of a lot of carnage starts to happen. Um, I don't know if the, I think at some point the like the gas lit on fire. I don't know if that's then or now, but uh, Freddy says to Laurie, welcome to my world, bitch. I should warn you. The first time gets a little messy. It's disgusting. I think it's implying something sexual with her. Yeah, Um, it's very gross and very rapey. Yeah. And then Charlie stabs Jason with an American flag. Jason (laughs) flings him against the wall and he gets stabbed on some sort of like spike or like some wrought iron Mm -hmm. thing that's just hanging out of the wall. Yeah. Uh, Will. Oh, yeah. Will is like picking up Lori and he accidentally gets her hand in the fire, uh, which is enough to wake her up. And so yeah. she grabs Freddy mm-hmm. and wakes up with Pulls Freddy. him. Yeah. Um, and then so he's in real life now and Jason's there. And then we get a fucking butt rock music cue. <laughs> uh. And they fight in the burning cabin. Um, Jason pushes him <laughs> there's one great moment where Jason pushes him through a window and then holds him and then drags him across yeah. the length of the wall and breaks every window with his head yeah um, yeah and it took me a second to realize well because they don't really say I think they just sort of show you through um, like the sequence of events that like Freddy does not appear to have his powers in the real world. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. He does. He just seems to have relative super strength um, and agility and knife hands and yeah. knife. And he still has his knife hand, but he can't manipulate anything. Um, and we right. at least don't see him do that. He's no, just, I don't, think, I don't think he can. I think it's been established yeah. in previous ones. I like once okay. he's in the real world. Yeah. He, he just has right. his knife hands. So we're just seeing hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jason throws him like through the air, through the roof of another cabin. Uh, Charlie's all fucked up. He's outside with Kia, like leaning against a tree, and he's clearly dying. Um, but he doesn't want her to see, so he sends her away. She's like, "Oh, we gotta, you know, we have to get you to help." It's like, "Nah, it's fine. I'll be okay." And then she walks off, and then they spend like a long time on the shot where he just kind of quietly dies. Yeah, it's sort it's sort of effective. I liked it. It was uh, sad. Yeah, it's sad. Um, 
it was funny because like in a more traditional movie i expected there to be some sort of tender moment between him and kia yes but, i'm but sorry instead, for bullying you all these years yeah so, yeah yeah instead she just leaves and he dies <laughs> he dies yeah. Uh, so body Just a lot th- more of what would happen in real life, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you're good. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna scram. <laughs> uh, body counts up to eighteen. Uh, Freddie confronts Will and Lori, but Kia like inserts herself in between them and sacrifices herself in a way that I'm not completely comfortable with. And then, all right. So this is the moment I was talking about that aged the worst for me. I can just spoil this for my... I mean, it's in the top four, certainly. Uh, And Freddy says, how sweet, dark meat. And then she says... She gets her revenge, though. Yeah, that's offensive. And I was like, ah, Jesus. Okay. Now I have like like three of these things in the last five minutes. She says, what kind of F word, derogatory F word, hangs around in a a Christmas sweater? It's like, okay, in the course of 30 seconds, you yeah. made a black joke and a, called someone a derogatory yeah. term. A gay, a gay slur. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also it's like, I don't know, what does that have to do with this, his sweater? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she keeps insulting Freddie and implies that Jason must have a much bigger dick than him. <laughs> it's a very weird exchange. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not great. No. And then suddenly Jason is behind her and he chops her very hard into a tree. Um, and then the body counts up to 19. And then Jason and Freddy fight. Uh, Lori tells Will that she needs to see Freddy die because Freddy's the one that killed her mom. Oh, yeah. Did we skip that whole thing? No. You talked about it? I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we talked about it. Uh, it's yeah, Freddy. Dream. Freddie killed her mom. It's really, this is a great example of how not impactful it is to yeah. find out. It just yeah. doesn't need to be there. That that yeah. aspect does not need to be there. Totally. Uh, and it just feels very much like, oh, well, it worked in Scream. Mm-hmm. We're having a personal connection to one of the victims. So let's right. do it here. Uh, but it just doesn't work. Um, so Freddie's flung into these oxygen tanks. He starts shooting them off at Jason. And they fly like rockets. Uh, a couple hit him. They fling him back against this like big slide, this like minecart slide. Yeah, there's like a big construction. Like we've moved. There's some sort of major construction happening next to Camp Crystal Lake in this movie. Yeah. Um. Then Freddy appears above him, so I guess he can teleport. Yeah, it is a little confusing, certainly. Huh. I mean, he kind of. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I don't know. He definitely has some of those moves in the midst of this fight where it's like, how did he get there? But Jason has always been that way, too. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Jason can just appear at will wherever. Yeah. Uh, He flings a bunch of rebar down at Jason and goes through his, like, leg and his chest. And he is gushing blood. It's super bloody. Uh, Freddy pushes a mine cart full of dirt down the slide. But it gets stuck. So he tries to unstick it, and there's this big swinging piece of equipment that, like, hits the side of the structure and rattles it all. Freddy falls off and gets his foot caught in some rope. So he's, like, dangling there. Um, And then Jason pulls a rebar out of himself. He grabs Freddy, and 
there, I wrote, there's so much blood in this fight. <laughs> the mine car gets loose and knocks into both of them, knocks them straight onto the dock. Um, Jason cuts Freddy's arm. Will and Lori are getting like this gas pump started. Freddy cuts Jason's fingers off. And he drops his machete. Freddy grabs the machete and starts hacking away at Jason. Blood's going everywhere. Freddy stabs Jason in the eyes and starts to tear his heart out. Um, and then Lori says, Freddy, go to hell. And they light him on fire. <laughs> light, light both of them on fire. Yeah. Jason reaches into Freddy's chest, rips his arms off. <laughs> and fire ignites these like propane tanks. Yeah, they which they doused in gasoline and then like they start them on fire from like fifteen feet away. Yeah, it's they're, they're like, way too close. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh then Freddy plunges Jason's machete into his to Jason's chest. Um I wrote thanks. Oh the the tanks blow. I wrote the thanks blow. Uh <laughs> The, the tanks blow. Lori and Will jump into the water. Freddy and Jason are blown into the lake. Then Lori and Will emerge from the water. But there's Freddy. He's got Jason's machete. It's kind of a fake out. We just yeah. see the machete. So we're like, oh, it's Jason. But it's mm-hmm. actually Freddy. Yep. Uh, and then he's about to strike. And suddenly his chest bursts as Jason pushes his own knife-gloved hand through his chest. Yeah. Um, and then Jason falls back into the water and Laurie picks up his machete and says, welcome to my world, bitch. And it cuts Freddy's head off and he Mm -hmm. falls into the water and Laurie and Will look at Jason's body as it sinks below the surface. And then she throws his machete in after him. I like the, uh, I like the decapitation too, as a kind of, it feels like a nod to the end of the first Friday the 13th. Yes. Uh, like a similar we're in a similar location and like cutting mrs where he's head off yeah yeah totally totally i didn't even really think about that um so she tosses the machete in after him into the water they hobble off and fade to black and then we see some water some fog on the surface jason comes up through the water and he's holding freddy's severed head freddy winks at the camera and we hear his laugh we get some credits. End and of the some, movie. It's some intense new metal for the outro. Some intense new metal. Uh, whew, man. Whew. Yeah, action-packed final quarter of the film. Certainly. Really is. And I think, like I said, it delivers for me mm-hmm. on the, uh, the the premise of Freddy is going to fight Jason. Yeah. Um, so, the body count in this movie, not as high as Jason X, unless you count Freddy Krueger, but his head, his face blinks. I don't think he's dead. He's coming back at some point. Uh, body count's 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are... I had a... Tr- I'm having some trouble with the favorite character sure. aspect of this. Well, there are certainly more, I think... I'm gonna... I don't know if likable is the right word, but it's like they do a better job with characters in this than I think they have in a lot of the movies we've watched recently. Yeah. And the acting is good. Like, yeah, everybody in it is good. I don't love Jason Ritter in this. He's okay. Sometimes I feel like he's a little bit blah, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely like Monica Kina. I mentioned that I like Chris Marquette. Um, 
Robert England is Freddy Krueger. You know, he's classic. He's a little bit over the top. He's kind of cheesy. Um, yeah, yeah. I think for my pick for best character, who do I like the best? I think it's tough. I'm gonna go. <laughs> no, go ahead. What are you I'll say, say it is tough. I just say it is tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I should also say that I I like Mark too. I think the guy who plays Mark is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I'll go with just because it's it's a little bit of the easy answer. But I think Lori, like Monica Kina, as the as the heroine of the film, does a good job. I like her all the way through. She has a lot she needs to do, and I think she does. Or like like she's definitely up there for the whole series uh at least on the Freddy on the Friday the 13th side of things as like best acting performances most capable mm-hmm. uh heroines in one of these films so I'll go with I will go with Monica Kina's Lori uh I like that pick I think I'm gonna go with Mark um I, yeah. I liked his character I like the portrayal of him mm-hmm. uh sad to see him go I wish he could have factored in more heavily into the end of the movie but sure. you know it is yeah. what it is i like that good pick uh i think everybody knows my moment that aged the worst <laughs> i just i just covered it did you have anything else to add to this i mean this? we mentioned them already i think if if you're gonna take the dark meat slur exchange i will take the other two Freddie basically rapes somebody twice in the span of five minutes. Yeah. Which which is funny because we talked about this a while back that it's like Freddy Krueger is a child molester. Yeah. That is literally part of his character definition, and I think it's something that we like gloss over sometimes. It also raises some interesting questions because it's like, yeah, you're supposed to hate him, he's evil. Uh so that I guess makes sense, but then also he becomes such an iconic horror character who's like mm-hmm. kind of well liked. It's like, eh, yeah, it feels a little bit, it feels a little bit gross, but yeah. Well, I feel like they downplayed the molestation aspect of like they abandoned that. Like yeah. in this one, they call him a child murderer. Right. And not, you know, yeah. And, yeah. But it is like, yeah, you always have to remind yourself like, Oh yeah, he is, isn't he? Gross. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best death. Uh, so this is also one that I struggle with because I think the, the special effects of this movie are pretty good. And I yeah. think the deaths are all pretty good. But there's nothing that is super imaginative. Like, no. say, you know, the, the tent kill in part nine. Right. Or, or even, even the, the, the liquid nitrogen. The liquid nitrogen. Yep, totally. Yeah. Um, I will say... I mean... Fuck, like the way the way that Freddy dies before he comes back to life is pretty cool with the using his own glove against him. Yeah, um, that is pretty cool. But I mean this this the the scene of deaths that I enjoyed the most is the corn rave. So maybe that's sure, cheating a sure. little bit. But I will go for once Jason emerges into the party at the corn rave and offs like seven people in about ten seconds. That's my favorite because even though none of them are particularly creative, it's just it's a, it's a different, interesting thing to see in one of these movies. I like that. Uh, I think for mine, it's it's Bill's death uh, where he's chopped in half very quickly. Oh, uh, it that's is one good. that I rem- yeah. I remembered from seeing this movie initially. Yeah, uh, and when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, that was fucking awesome. I remember that. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm going to go with Bill's death. All right. Uh, so this movie isn't a scary movie. I don't even think it tries to be scary. No. Uh, but we here on Killstreak like to rate the scariness of a movie based on John Carpenter's filmography. So I'm looking at it. I'm looking at his filmography right now. Uh, I'm poking around somewhere around Big Trouble in Little China. Maybe China. Yeah. <laughs> I and, mean, um, Escape perhaps, from LA. I think, uh, yeah, I think in terms of uh, scares, that feels about right. And although Big Trouble in Little China isn't the most culturally sensitive movie ever, it is. You know, it's got some great Chinese actors in it, and I think mm-hmm. Ronnie Yu as a as a Chinese born uh, or Hong Kong born, I should say, uh, director. I think Big Trouble in Little China feels right to me. Okay, all right, let's lock it in. A little Big nod Trouble to the in director. China. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, that does our recap of Freddy versus Jason. No, we have one more thing. Um, so that, that is the end of our recap, but we still have a couple more things to do. Uh, just checking in with you guys, making sure you're paying attention. (laughs) I think just one more, just the one where we say, does this, is this it's the Mary fuck kill, right? Yeah. Mary fuck kill. Um, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, I mean, I can go first. You just have to listen to me talk through it a little bit. I think, okay, I mean, it's totally not a kill. Like, this is not, this is this is in the better half of movies that we've watched for the run of this series. Um, I do think, uh, for me, that this feels like a fuck. Mm-hmm. Even though it's, it's, it's successful and I had positive feelings about it. Um, like, this is a movie that you will like if you like Friday the 13th movies and you like Nightmare on Elm Street movies. This isn't going to convert anybody to enjoying sure. these, these series, I think. And like you mentioned, it succeeds as fan service, but I think also sometimes it's a little bit limited by being mostly about fan service. Um, and so for that reason, it feels a little bit indulgent and... That's, you know, to me, that's like the quick, the quick fun fuck where it's like, yeah, yeah, this, this was fun and it was satisfying, but I'm not going to like, I was just thinking about this and I know we're not going to end up ranking this in the Friday the 13th series at the end, but it's like when this ends, I'm probably going to watch my favorite one again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, like in the next couple of weeks, just to, to as, as like a kind of capstone to all this. It's like, I don't feel the need to watch this movie again for another 15 years. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would probably revisit it uh, sooner than that. I do like this mm-hmm. movie a lot. I think um, you brought up some good, some great points. And the fact that we're probably not going to count this into the rankings or we won't count this into the rankings um, does factor into me also saying fuck. And not Mary. Mm-hmm. I think as a movie, it's a Mary, but as a Friday the Thirteenth, it's a fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of the same reasons that I've been saying about the last few movies we covered, uh, goes to hell, and Jason X. Although Jason X is a kill, uh, but they don't. This is a good movie. It's not a good Friday the Thirteenth movie. Mm-hmm. Nobody should start here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and I also think. <sighs> 
I don't, do you do you have another point you wanted to make? I just oh, so it also at a certain point it does feel like fan fiction. Yeah, it does feel a lot like fan fiction, and also the only thing I'll say is to not as a rebuttal, but just something to think about too is like I wonder how if there's a certain lowering of standards and sort of expectation where it's like this is a this is. A, like, to say this is a good movie also makes me go, like, I, I guess on what scale, you know? Like, I don't know that even in the grand scheme of horror movies, like, all the movies that I love, uh-huh. like, if I was just weighing this one on that spectrum of all horror movies, I don't know if it's good. I think, I, it's, I think it's passable, sure. but I don't even know if it reaches the levels of being good. I disagree. Um, I think for me, if, if somebody were ever to be like, hey, have you seen Freddy vs. Jason? They're like, yeah, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, that movie rules. Uh, it's it's a super fun, <laughs> uh-huh. like, it's. I think I, that's, that's it. I enjoy it. I think it's a super okay. fun movie that I would definitely put on sooner than some yeah. of these other movies that we've covered I, in this series. I definitely agree that it's fun. I think that's what the best thing it has going for it. Um, I think in terms of, like, overall quality... I think it's just kind of a middle of the road for me, but okay. that's all right. We're, we're on slightly different sides of that, but I think that, you know, again, in the Mary fuck kill discussion, if the, if we were in our old mindset of like, would you recommend this movie? I think if you like Friday the 13th and, and nightmare on Elm street, yes, I would recommend this movie. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Cool. it is the move. It is the movie out of all of these, probably that has the most uh, barrier to entry. For enjoyment yeah 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 it's um, like it's a lot like going to just like pick up harry potter and the fucking you know whatever the last one is the, the things that everyone's yeah. got the, what, what all the harry potter kids have tattoos of the, the deathly hallows deathly hallows yeah yeah don't don't just go watch harry potter and the deathly hallows like yeah. you're not gonna appreciate most of it so cool uh okay, well should guys. we take a quick break yeah let's do it we are back for our final segment, and since this movie is Freddy versus Jason, that got the old wheels turning about some other horror, iconic horror villains fighting yeah. each other. Yeah. Battles. Battles royale, tag team battles, yeah. uh, one-on-one battles. Uh, one of the things that I thought was what piqued my interest, because Eric, I know, I don't know if you feel okay being outed on this podcast, but you're a wrestling fan. I am, um, yes. And I am a sometimes wrestling viewer, although I usually just do it sort of riding shotgun to you and, and some of our other friends. Right, uh, yeah. But uh, there was some talk behind the scenes even uh, in the documentary and in some interviews about the influence almost of wrestling on how they set up the battle between Freddy and Jason in this movie. Right. Um, and uh, so we were talking and we were thinking, you know what would be fun is to try to put together some horror tag teams mm-hmm. um, as sort of a thought experiment. We haven't really totally sorted out how this like hypothetical, is it a tournament? Is it, what? what is it? I don't know. What are you thinking? I- I feel like we make up matchups. Each mm-hmm. one of us picks attack. We have a list of characters. Yeah. And we'll take turns being like team captain picking 
two uh you will pick one the other person will pick one and then then we'll go back until we have mm-hmm. two each and then we'll move on to the next group pairing and we okay. hypothesize who would win and why okay that's sort of what i was thinking sure um yeah yeah let's uh and then should i should i don't know should we include the audience in this should we should we set this up so that they could sort of vote on uh, on a Twitter poll or something. Oh, like sure, that. yeah, I'll post some Twitter polls of who they think would win. That's great, great idea. Okay, so if we did this sort of almost tournament style, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. then I feel like ourselves and the listeners would probably go insane if we picked uh, sixteen tag team matches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if we did eight, though? What if each of us put together four, four. tag team pairings? Or yeah. That sounds good. And then we could we could put them into a, a yeah an eight-team tournament and let the, the Twitter voters decide who who did the best job. I don't know. Is this crazy? Is this no, too I much? No, I like this. I like this. Okay, amazing. One of the things I was thinking is, I think in the interest of fairness... It's important to establish rules for what the competitors can and can't do, meaning like a Freddy Krueger, for instance. You know, we have to, we almost sort of guess, like, what is the extent of his power? And also, is he in the dream world or is he in the real world? Something that comes up in Freddy versus Jason, in the, mm-hmm. in the real world, he doesn't really seem to have his dream powers, right? Right, right. He's still a psychopath with knife fingers, mm-hmm. but he's not... A su- well, I mean, he does have a little bit of superhuman strength, it seems. Yeah. But uh, he's not able to, like, turn into a cockroach, you know? <laughs> right. Or do his um, Freddy things. So, so, yeah, I do think we have to take into account what give these what gives the monsters power mm-hmm. and assume that we're just fighting in the real world. Okay. So then I think also in terms of those powers, I think it's important that – we, we keep things constrained to uh, powers that they've already demonstrated, right? So it's uh-huh, like uh-huh. not just being like, well, uh, so-and-so can do this, which means he can probably do this. And then, right, you know. yes. I think um, we have to have some sort of example in the past of what he can do. Yeah. Or she. Um, right. Okay. How about playing field? Are we talking about being in the ring? Are they in a wrestling ring? Um. I don't know if I want to confine it to a wrestling ring. Okay. Maybe it's just in a field of battle. Let's say in a like field a field of uh, battle. Okay. Like let's I imagine them fighting in like uh, an empty field almost. Uh, okay. So then I feel like Bruce the Shark from Jaws is probably <laughs> <laughs> It's probably I mean also in a wrestling ring I think he would not fare well. <laughs> true. True. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Um, sure. Okay, great. Um well then I think okay, so it's in a field of battle on dry land. Um, fantastic. Then I'm gonna go ahead and say I think I'm ready. Um, oh, yeah, me too. I'm going to go with Michael Myers. Uh, okay. He's we need a we need a tank. You know, we need the big guy who's powerful. Mm-hmm. He's shown himself to be adept at uh, not only being able to take a beating. Uh huh. Sure. And keep on ticking. Like Nigh on unkillable. Yeah. 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 Um. He's a silent type, so I sure. might want to pair him with a talker, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um. But yeah. Michael Myers. All right. So 
I like what you just said there about. So I think should we should we suggest that our our fans as they vote on this say you want to consider sort of the whole promotion and not just straight uh, yeah. a straight beating right because you yeah, know we're so, talking about charisma ring presence you know yeah oh so you know what let's just put them in a ring if we're going to <laughs> this is a ring this is wrestling okay this is now wrestling all right it's wrestling it's straight okay. up wrestling um okay great great uh that sounds good um also, one thing I forgot to ask: Are I mean, are Freddie and Jason still on the table, or should we keep I, them out of this since they're sort of the inspiration for this whole? I think they're thing. on the table. They're too okay. big of characters not to be put on the table. Okay, great. Also, I'm going to suggest that we do this in a sort of snake form. So it's okay. like you pick first, I'll pick second and third. You pick sure. fourth, and we'll reverse it for team two. Sure. You know, there's going to be a lot of questions about. You know, the supernatural versus just, like, the the forces of nature kind of stuff here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to cheat right out of the box. Not cheat, but I'm going to pick something that I think would be considered sort of action horror sci-fi. But sure. I want a real battler. I want someone or something that is truly trained in the arts of martial combat. I think um, I see where this is going. Do you, do you, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, with a visitor from another planet, and I'm going to take the Predator okay. as my okay. number one pick. Predator Ooh, from like the that. original Predator. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's like my that. – thank you. Thank you. That's my first pick. Now, again, sort of to match Eric here, we've got the strong silent type. Um, so then maybe I want somebody who's going to get on the mic a little bit more uh, for my second pick. There's, you know, I want someone with some versatility, uh, somebody mm-hmm. who can fill a couple different roles. So I think the ability to shapeshift might God be damn useful. It. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of shapeshifters out there. You don't know That's who true. I'm going to pick. Um, but yeah, for this one, I think I'm going to go old school, and I'm going to say I want Dracula. I want oh. specifically Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, as portrayed by Gary Oldman, who's got those dope little glasses. But he can turn into a wolf. He can turn into a bat monster. He can fly. Yeah. Um, he's got super strength. Yeah. So that's my that's my first tag team right there: Predator and Dracula. Okay. So I love your reasoning of somebody who can fill multiple roles. Okay. Uh, and also, I'm I'm going to choose somebody since Michael Myers is going to be dead on the mic. Uh, I need a talker. Someone, <laughs> someone who can, who can really captivate an audience, uh-huh. and I'm gonna go with Pennywise the Clown. Pennywise the Clown, that's a good one. I did consider that. I considered Pennywise um, before I ultimately went with uh, with Dracula. So we're definitely, and you know, we're on the same wavelength here. Mm-hmm. The round of eight, our first of four matchups, is going to be Michael Myers and Pennywise versus the Predator. And Bram Stoker's Dracula. Since we're like going full on wrestling, we should do. Um, let's. I mean, let's do. What do you think about this? We're gonna do two teams each that can be kind of just like vanilla teams, right? Mm-hmm. Let's do uh, an all female card. Sure. How's that feel? Yeah. Uh, and then how about like a let's do let's do a gimmick match. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go first pick for my second 
tag team. I, you know, it's hard for me to to give up the advantages of people with sort of super strength or supernatural abilities. Uh, you know, Leatherface is terrifying, but he's also just uh-huh. a dude who's a serial killer, and I feel like he's gonna get stomped on by somebody who uh, is bringing that sort of that real X factor to the ring. So I want to go with somebody here who's near and dear to my heart. I love the attitude he brings. I love his ability to uh, drag people in down into the circles of hell. I'm going to go with my guy, Leather... Uh, sorry, not Leatherface, Pinhead. Pinhead, Pinhead of course, okay. from Hellraiser. Hellraiser. I like that. I like that. I mean, he is your boy. He's always been... <laughs> you're, you've been riding the the pinhead express uh, plane you've been on the flight logs the yeah. pinhead <laughs> hey you know what i am who i am i, w- I guess i kind of want to be cute here and have a head-to-head match okay here with pumpkin head <laughs> <laughs> pinhead right. versus pumpkin head i like that uh, a lot now pumpkin head is a terrifying demon i i'm actually i haven't seen pumpkin head in years i can't sure. remember exactly what his powers are other than is he just a terrifying demon that he's a terrifying people? murderous demon he's a vengeful spirit uh-huh so right he's, right Right, so you 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 raise or summon Pumpkinhead to kind of take revenge on your enemies. Right. Um, I do think he's super tall. I remember that. Um, and he he's definitely very strong. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if he has any particular. There might be. Is there like a hypnot? He might have a sort of hypnotic power if i recall uh yes yep he can he can hypnotize people much like dracula can i believe yeah yeah okay great so i i mean i love that pick and also he's just a you know he's got a scary look so he definitely brings uh, that he's terrifying okay, so we've got pinhead going head to head with pumpkin head who else is who's tagging in here i'm going with <laughs> the the gin from Wishmaster. <laughs> <laughs> i mean versatile power for sure yeah another um, big guy he does talk way too much yeah he's a real chatty kathy in my um. me- my memory <laughs> okay it's a really um, that's a that is a scary looking pair that is those guys are gross as shit oh um, no i was looking at an old playboy magazine sorry <laughs> what wow wow okay um cool cool <laughs> cool cool stuff from eric um <laughs> sorry Continue. all right sorry. yeah yeah okay so uh i'm going up against a tall gross looking pumpkin head and a wish granting gin um who do i need to back up pinhead i think i need a real like you used the term before, tank. I think I need a big body here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I feel like uh, I'm missing. Tell me if this is uh, if this is legal, okay? Uh, so I'll wait for a ruling from the ref here. Mm-hmm. I want to have one of the graboids from Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that's a huge beast. 
That is a big um, monster. It is. I feel like he could. I feel like. I mean, he's gonna be under the ring most of the time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> he's gonna rise from the ring like Undertaker has done. Yeah, before. exactly. Yeah, he's gonna hide under the ring until the lights go out in the auditorium Doom. and then <laughs> burst through. What's that? I, oh my God! It's a graboid. <laughs> I don't know. Is that acceptable? Do I need? To I'll back take. To the I'll, ex- I'll accept it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's definitely like the surprise tag in. Pinhead's gonna come out by himself. Everybody's yeah. gonna be like, they're gonna promote the match and be like, he's gonna have a surprise tag team partner, and we're not gonna know who it is. And suddenly he's gonna like raise his hands and then he'll burst forth. <laughs> that's I right. like it. I like it. Yeah. Okay, great. All right, so that takes care of tag team number two. So now we're moving on to our all female card. Um, you have first pick here, my friend. I'm going to pick Carrie. All right. So you are going with the telekinetic, uh, borderline not a villain, but... Uh, sure. Yeah. She's but, a tweener. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's not a heel. She's not a face. I mean, right. she has she is sympathetic, but then mm-hmm. uh, it kind of goes to the dark side at the end there. For my first pick, I am going to go with the queen from Aliens. Oh shit! <laughs> I actually would really like to see Carrie fight the Queen yeah, of the Alien. That'd be right. That'd awesome. be pretty badass, I think. Um, all right, so that's that's my first pick, and then for my second pick, all right, I think I I would be a fool not to take advantage of. Uh, the powers of so i'm gonna go with the american version just because i'm slightly more familiar with it um but i'm trying to remember the name of if it's the name of the same uh villain quote unquote um so i know in oh yeah so we're gonna go with sadako from the ring or ringu okay sure yeah um she's got uh well you know what no basically no one ever escapes her uh you know her murderous grasp unless no. i guess well you gotta like solve her whole family problem right or like it's like you gotta you gotta put her ghost to rest and like nobody's doing that in the space of a tag team match you know nobody's got time to go you know right learn how she died and then put her restless spirit set it free <laughs> so it's mostly just gonna be a hand-to-hand fight so yeah i'm going with sadako from the ring okay uh, that's the I'm bottom go- line um <laughs> uh, i'm going to go with uh somebody uh, an actress who appears in this very movie but in a different oh, huh. in a different series okay uh i'm gonna go with ginger from ginger snaps Ooh, all which can right. turn into a werewolf Cool. We left a lot of really powerful witches on the table on the board there, but uh, I feel good about this. So in this matchup, we've got Eric going with Carrie and Ginger from Ginger Snaps versus my Queen from Aliens and Sadako from the Ring. <laughs> I love it. All right. And lastly, we've got our gimmick match, um, and I have the first pick here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so really we're just going for, we're going for a lot of entertainment value here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we alluded to this earlier, 
but I don't want to get left out on the cold here, so I'm going to go ahead and steal Eric's pick, and I want the Leprechaun on my team. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm going to take my, my little guy, um, you know, evocative of some of the less sensitive uh, wrestling cards of days gone by. Ah, oh, he's a hornswoggle, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going... This is this is my Irish hornswoggle. Um... Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Chucky, then, in that case. Yeah, I feel like that's only... A natural pairing. Yeah, I think that's that's almost the direction you have to go. So, But now you get the opportunity to really set the tone for the second half of this card. Yeah. Um, so we've got our two little guys, Leprechaun and Chucky, going head-to-head. What kind of matchup are we looking at for uh, the other half, Eric? Uh, I'm going to choose Frank Zito from Maniac. The maniac tell, from Maniac. Tell tell us more about Frank He's, Zito, Eric. Frank Zito is a filthy, greasy killer. Uh, mostly a killer of women, uh, okay. although he does explode Tom Savini's head with a shotgun. Okay. Uh, but he has serious mother issues. Um, he takes women's scalps and, and, and will uh, staple them to mannequin heads and pretend to be like they're lovers and that they're his mother essentially um yeah so he's a real disturbed guy with a penchant for claiming scalps okay got it um all right so we've got frank zito the scalp taking mama's boy from maniac (laughs) um well then i think you know i'm gonna keep things in the arena of uh We'll go serial killer versus serial killer here. Um, I'm going to take somebody who's got a lot of flair uh, mm-hmm. and who uh, can really put on a show in the ring and maybe distract his opponents with a little song and dance. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Specifically uh, in his not particularly trans-sensitive uh, goodbye horses um sure you know dance outfit not really an outfit so much as just a A lack of outfit yeah a choice (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean this guy's a prolific serial killer uh and he's got style you know that's and that's really part of what i'm going for here you know it's easy to just put together a tag team of straight bruisers but you know, right I, I think between leprechaun and buffalo bill <laughs> we are this is a charismatic duo <laughs> yeah uh, all right all right guys that that does that does it for our choosing of the uh the monsters and villains from horror history yeah. Uh, sorry, so we we'll, sputtered out there. Yeah, that was um, what just really way to get people pumped up about this. I was really, uh, I was really grinded my gears there as I was trying to shift into third. Yeah, yeah. We got a real Jim Ross over here, just uh, <laughs> just making that copy sing. Um, so. <laughs> We've got our round, uh, this is our round of of four, you know, or really a round of 16, but we've got a round of four battlers. Um, so we will uh, post these on Twitter and maybe 
in the in the in the in this week we could we could even string this out over a number of weeks i'm sure the interest will be so high i mean mm-hmm. i just we're gonna have so many people chiming in on this so i want to give everybody time really <laughs> uh yeah so we've got let's see we've got another episode coming out in a few days right uh we're gonna be doing the reboot mm-hmm. um so maybe we can let this poll run until uh maybe you know until uh we record that and then um we'll let you guys know but I'm trying to think of how this is going to work too cuz we do record ahead of time so um I'll I'll post it soon maybe I'll post it uh oh, this I mean we should get it up today and then basically yeah uh the, I mean it's very hard because I think we're just going to have to wait a little while to announce mm-hmm. the results of this so the only yeah. way this is going to work in the sort of disjointed timeline of Killstreak is we'll throw the poll up, we'll run the competition, and then we'll announce the winner probably on the next episode. Because um, then we can run the poll, um, or not on the next episode, a few episodes in the future, because obviously we're going to have to record the next episode before we have the results of the poll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe either the ranking episode or the, um, the, next, the first yeah. episode of the next series. Well, you guys will just have to keep listening. And yeah, then keep a, listening. A, eventually buried like an Easter egg amongst our many, many episodes. We will, at some point in the future, at an indeterminate time, share with you the results of this tag team battle. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and bearing with us as we sort out uh, all this ridiculous bullshit. Um, if you want to send us an email with any questions, uh, requests, concerns uh ideas for segments quizzes games you name it killstreakpod at gmail.com check out our website killstreakpod.com we're on twitter at killstreakpod uh we're on facebook at killstreakpod it's just killstreakpod wherever you go uh and that's gonna get you where you need to be and as always got your nose